And welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. Alright, so this finally is... got that timing. Yeah, you'll finally get it down. As long as I don't draw attention to it. <laughs> all it took is like four shows. <laughs> but uh, first off I want to say is uh, thank all the people that liked our podcast on our new Facebook page. Uh, it, it was phenomenal, man. Like freaking like we went from no likes to over a hundred. Over a hundred. Well over a hundred. In less than a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's man. pretty crazy. My friends are my friends are strong out there. And I it's know they're listening right now. It's mostly your friends. Yeah, it's mostly my friends. And they my, just, mine are slowly trickling in. They have been trying to get me to do something like this for years. As so, they should. So now that we finally have this format where we can actually talk about pop culture and all that shit for the masses, uh, there's been a lot of support out there. And uh, number one, I want to thank each and every one of y'all for uh, liking our page. And like I said, this is just, this is just the beginning. Eventually, we're gonna get to the point where you know. We'll uh, start opening polls, and yep. you guys can be, you know, interactive with the show. You can, uh, you know, help us pick our subject matter. What do you want to hear us talk about? You know, deep dive, shallow dive, whatever. I, I like we get deep, around. I like the deep dive. <laughs> that's, that's just me, though. <laughs> and ho- hopefully, this sounds better. We've upgraded the equipment already. Yes, uh, we're. Uh, this is going to be our first track that's gone direct to iTunes because we just yep. got approved on iTunes. Yes, we did. And uh, it's also going to be uh, the first track that has bumper music in and out. Oh my God, man! See, we are moving up in the world, man. Like, just leaves and bounds every week, man. Production like, value like a motherfucker. Exactly. And then I look at the downloads every week, and our downloads are increasing, man. Like, I'm dude. Everybody starts somewhere, and we're coming along. I'm loving it. Like, it's, it's very few in, in comparison to other podcasts, but I'm loving it because of fact we are getting attention. People are actually out there listening to us. Well, I don't know about you, but my my back's sore from all this patting myself on the back. You want to jump into it? I sure do. <laughs> I could, right. I could pat a little bit more, but you know, no, I don't want to be, you know, pretentious. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, we got to wait a little bit. Sure, whatever. All right, so so starting with it, we have uh, we have our our running segment, Seven Degrees of Separation from Eddie Murphy, and I think sure. I got you this week. All right, cool, cool. All right, so uh, again, for those who don't know, it's a little game we play here on the show. Uh, the rules of it is that basically, uh, I can connect any actor or actress who has made an American movie to Eddie Murphy, uh, usually within seven movies or less. Uh, it's a variation of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon that uh, we created for the show, and I've been doing it for years, and I just thought it'd be fun and something different for the show. So like I said, uh, actors that have been in American films, that does include foreign actors, but don't include foreign actors that have only done foreign films or uh, people that are known primarily for music or anything of that sort. So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into this, and let's see if you can stop me, man. Sandra Bullock. Trying to super you, bro. I thought you said you had something difficult. Okay, so Sandra Bullock was in Speed with Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves was in The Matrix Reloaded with Jada Pinkett. Jada Pinkett was in The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy. Boom. Did it in two or three, boy. Mandy Moore. That was a real one. I wanted to put you in a false sense of uh, self-confidence there. What's the name of that (laughs) Uh, I, Walk to Remember. That's exactly what it was. That's, that's the only movie I'm aware of. <laughs> I still haven't watched that, by the way. Walk to Remember. I, I, mani- I managed to, to, <laughs> to get married without seeing that movie. I'm sure I'm going to have to watch it God eventually. damn it. I don't like did that. I, did I win this one? I, I think you did. Because you've never seen it, right? I've never watched I've never seen it. Movie. I don't even know who's in it. I can't say that one movie that Mandy Moore is in. All I know from her now is that she's on uh, This Is Us, and she's doing a phenomenal job on that show. Well, I was going to say, we can bend the rules slightly because she is 
is an actress. She just hasn't done that many films. Yeah, let, 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 do you, yeah. you want to bring TV into it to make the jump? No, no, no. Yeah, you know I want to stick to film because if I do this for if I do this for her and I do it for a bunch of other people, right. I don't want to break the rules. So in this particular case, you did stump me because Mandy Moore isn't particularly known for her film work. I'm I'm gonna save this because this is probably the only time I'm gonna pull that one off. I hate when people stump me. <laughs> Mandy Moore, that You're was gonna a come good, back next week. I know actually that was a good and, uh, fucking pull though. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when I lose this shit. And I created the game. All right, so uh, I am stumped this particular week because of goddamn Mandy Moore. <laughs> finally <laughs> pulled it off. <laughs> Bastard. And, and I know everyone's like, finally pulled it off. It's only the second episode. I've been doing this shit for a long time with him. Yeah. And it's taken me It's taken me legitimately months to like, finally get he, one. He'll pull out people like, uh, what, Edward G. Robinson and Humphrey Bogart, and <laughs> yeah. I can connect them, but then he pulls out a Mandy Moore and I'm fucking stumped. And I hate you for that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a really good one. Yeah. Uh, Alright. Well, so, so yeah. we were talking about this week we're going to roll out uh, a new new segment, see if people like it. <laughs> this is our own personal take on uh, a little game we like to call What Would Busey Say? As in, what would Gary Busey say? Goddamn Gary Busey. So, so this week's prompt that we're going with is, uh, what would Gary Busey say mm-hmm. about all these people out there putting up all this Christmas decor immediately after... <laughs> After Halloween. All right, so uh, I'm going to let AJ do his section of it first, and then I'm going to buzz out with mine. So go ahead and hit me with it, man. I think it would be something along the lines of, it, it's like a virgin standing on the beach in the pale moonlight holding a pregnancy test. There may come a time when she needs it. Yeah. But that's, that's after you've danced with the devil. <laughs> My, I never said I did impressions. No, 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 no. Mine is a little more practical, though, because I actually do try to do an impression, so. Okay. So, Let's hear it. Gary. Gotta get, gotta, gotta get to the right mind frame for Gary Busey. All right, so I'm outside. I'm looking around. I see all these goddamn Christmas presents. I look at my, look at my calendar. It's November. Why are they putting the Christmas presents? Why? We, we just got through with Halloween. I mean... Candy corn, pumpkins. I still see pumpkins, but now there's trading it for, for Frosty and, and Santa and goddamn Rudolph. <laughs> Why are we doing this to our country? They do this every time. We're not ready for Christmas. Why are we doing this to each other? Uh, I need some tiger blood. All right, that's my view. <laughs> is, is that good? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I tried to go more with the way he actually says stuff. Like, if you watched him recently mm-hmm. with the Buseyisms and his yeah. book and everything, yeah, yeah. the dude is so cerebral and so out there. And yes. the shit that he says, I, I think I heard, I think it was, uh, maybe it was, was it Jim Norton, I think, I heard describing it as like he's on a perpetual acid trip yeah so i tried to go that route you definitely had the performance aspect of it down a lot a lot more but yeah didn't he get into some kind of like vehicle accident like he had a, he had a motorcycle accident like 85 89 something like that somewhere in the 80s it was sometime after uh the buddy holly thing right yeah well and i was just saying it was even after uh lethal weapon because when you see him in lethal weapon one yeah he seems he's, stable he's like legit but that one no helmet yeah. Cracked his skull open. He actually died on the table. He talks about it. Died on the table for a little bit. And they brought him back. And uh, <laughs> ever since then, he's had this 
warped perspective. He should on, do stand up. Uh, he should do stand up. He should do stand up. And it would be the wildest shit ever. Like it should I be. Would sh- pay full price. You know, it would be a great podcast. Mm. Gary Busey and the Iron Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay money. Dude, for I was no oh, just the weirdo <laughs> shit that would come out of those guys' mouths on a regular basis. It would be the funniest shit ever. You know, Gary Busey's like, God damn it, I went, I went on an acid trip today. I was in the desert. I saw gremlins. I saw, I saw Santa Claus. I saw, oh my God. I saw President Lincoln and President Carter. And President Carter ain't dead yet. <laughs> then the Iron Sheet would come in and say, I got damn it, uh, fuck the uh, American uh, motherfucker bullshit, you know. Uh, fuck a Justin Bieber, you know. I fuck him in his ass, make him humble, you know. And Sheik, former WWE champion, come here, you know. <laughs> I think that'd be a great podcast, dude. I'd, I'd, I'd listen. I'd pay. Right, just just right now, like you know, what I'm saying? just me it, doing this shit. It know? would almost be it would almost be on the same level as like uh, like Joe Rogan and Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. okay I can see Which, that. holy shit! Have you ever seen another man literally launch into another dimension before your eyes? Oh my god! Yeah. Actually, I just watched. I'm, jo- yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not lying. Yeah. I have legitimately listened to that podcast mm-hmm. at least ten times. <laughs> the whole thing it is it is there's a moment where he says this will be studied for years and i agree with him, but not for the reason i think he yeah. was meaning when he said it it is it's a whole nother it's a, it's a different dimension i actually really have is. watched a podcast recently uh the dan Aykroyd episode was really good oh dude yeah. that was killer yeah that was good one dan's yeah. talking about his close encounters and yeah his, chasing his, aliens his, on his, his beliefs and aliens and like his thoughts on aliens and ghosts and stuff which have always been out there for most people but i always felt that dan Aykroyd uh is such a great you know storyteller and uh plus like he legitimately believes these things he researches them and like he comes with facts like he'll he'll come at you like you know what I'm saying like it might be some stuff you might not be prepared for but Dan Aykroyd you know what I'm saying he believes his shit he researches his shit he doesn't just come at you with some uh, weirdo aliens encounter he'll give you dates he'll give you times he'll give you exact data which I can appreciate like my thing when it comes to aliens and ghosts and all that shit and uh, I don't know if you can hear this or not but we're in LA so you can hear the LA helicopter don't even worry about it they're just looking for our neighbor it's all good yeah they're just looking for you know what I'm saying uh, probably somebody <laughs> out here on the run you know uh, I hope they get them uh, either way as long as they don't come in our backyard who cares exactly so <laughs> but my thoughts and this is this is just me on aliens and all the other shit is this it came from somewhere these stories and all this other stuff, it came from somewhere. Now, True. somebody saw some shit that freaked them out so much that they had to tell people about it. That's really what it comes down to. These all came from somewhere. Like, these stories, you know, you hear of aliens and ghosts and, you know, gods and things of that nature. They've been passed down from generation to generation. Somebody saw something. It came from somewhere. So, I can't really knock it. Plus, I hate the arrogance of like the scientific community and thinking that we are literally the only things out here in this universe. Uh, th- yeah, but th- that's 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 a that's yeah. a thought process of a bygone era. I True. Mean, you you don't typically find many people in our age group or even a little bit above us and definitely not below us mm-hmm. that would say without a doubt, without a question, that we're definitely alone in the universe. Right. Most people, if they're honest about it, they think about it, and there's literally billions of stars, and you assume most of them probably have some sort of planets or something around it. Mm-hmm. There's a really good chance there's something else out there. There's a very good but chance there's something else out there. we haven't there. got the proof yet. 
Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit, you know, I've got a little bit of a guilty pleasure. I like listening to alien stuff, reading mm. and hearing all mm. that stuff. Yeah, but me I too. will say, I've heard from a lot of veterans that's a, that's a dirty fucking trick they play. <laughs> but I know for a fact my grandfather, when he was working, uh, I can't remember, it was a defense contractor after he got out of the Navy in the, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Him and a bunch of guys were screwing around one night. And they made a UFO <laughs> just for the hell of it, and they yeah. let it go. But here's the best part. Mm-hmm. So, like, 20 years later, my dad's, like, 13, 14 years old. He's mm-hmm. out camping with my, my grandpa and his uncle. And, and his uncle tells him this story that changed his life about when he saw this UFO mm-hmm. when he was about my dad's age, 14 years old or something. And mm-hmm. it turns out this UFO thing they created, and they're just screwing around in the parking lot, drifted over by... Oh. His house. My uncle, uh-huh. my great uncle, my dad's uncle, saw yeah. this shit, and he, he legitimately freaked the fuck oh, out. He became man. a total hippie, doing drugs, all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> it changed his life <laughs> because he saw this UFO <laughs> that he was so convinced was real, and what? it blew his mind. And it was literally just like some sort oh. of like a contraption. Him and these guys made a bunch of engineers screwing around. That is so messed up. And then there was this other guy. Did, it, cha- the, did it change his life for the better? Not even. He's, <laughs> dude, he's, he's Cousin Eddie. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, literally, he literally cruised me on Cousin Eddie these oh, days. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> Shader's full. Oh. <laughs> he's that guy. <laughs> but, what, but what's even better about this, because like I said, I've heard about this from a lot of different veterans. There was a, I can't remember the, the pilot's name. I was listening to, this was actually a Joe Rogan one. Mm-hmm. He was talking about, uh, he knows a lot of other fi- fighter pilots who do it. They have this way when they're out flying in certain areas, they're on night vision, they're flying without any kind of uh, you know, lights or anything. It's just infrared stuff or whatever. They can see these fires out in the desert in like central California where they're, they're doing testing and training before mm-hmm. they go overseas. Mm-hmm. So they can see where campers are. So what they'll do is they'll kick up the speed as fast as they can, and then they'll pull it back. Well, not as fast as they can, but super fast. They'll pull it back so that they're just gliding, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then right when they get directly over the fire, they'll pull back on the stick, kick on the afterburners, and then kill them. So mm-hmm. basically what happens to the camper is all of a sudden there's a bright light, a whoosh. Something blows a lot of air down at them, and then it's gone. Oh man! And they just and this guy I was listening to him, Commander Fravor, I think's his name. Okay, he's talking about they do that shit all the time because it's funny because they got a sick sense of humor. So Ooh. some of that shit's got to be just people screwing with people, and they you know somebody yeah. got the the, the rind of the deal. But <laughs> there's definitely been some stuff that's been documented in the centuries. Well, even that's, even that's, just in the last twenty years, the Navy's yeah. even finally come out and said, "Look, we don't know what this is. Release little videos and stuff." So you yeah. never know. Yeah, you never know. Uh, I still believe there's stuff out there. So, you know, I think most people are not going to really get that until an alien comes up and, like, just pats them on the shoulder. Like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, when, when that happens, then I'm, I'm going to be on board. Until then, I'm just going, eh, I haven't seen it yet. That's most people. But it might be there. Yeah. So there's that. So now to bring it back a little more to the pop culture side, not that this isn't popular. But yeah, yeah. What does Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. Ted Nugent, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Steven Seagal all have in common. Damn, that's an eclectic group. Oh, they're all like cops, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they, they, have, all, they have all been sworn law officers. <laughs> yeah. So is Lou Ferrigno. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I forgot he's, Lou Ferrigno. He's a reserve L.A. sheriff. Yeah. And Shaq. Shaq is? Shaq is. I think he's, he's a reserve. I think he's a reservist in both L.A. and Miami. Well, good for him. Yeah, right. And, uh, I think, Wait, Miami, not Orlando? No, Miami when he was like with the Heat. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot. I was singing with the magic. I go all no, no, the no, way no, back. no. He, I think he didn't start that till like oh, he got older. But yeah, he was with he, with, he, mm-hmm. he was with the magic and he was with the Lakers. He became a reserve sheriff. So yeah, yeah. You want to see him coming at you across the the picket line when you're out there? Actually, <laughs> I think Kevin Hart has a, a joke about that. Shaq, you a cop? Like because <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny sight. This seven foot tall goddamn black man coming at you. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like you do whatever he says. That's exactly. what you do. <laughs> Shaq is high tower. <laughs> Shaq is high tower from the Police Academy movies. Now that I think about it, because Bubba Smith was about seven feet. Shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. yeah so that's that, about right. That's what's up, though. <laughs> Shaq. <laughs> but yeah, man, all these reserve cops, Steven Seagal special. They they had that show, remember? Steven Seagal, like Lawman. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, like in think, uh, it's like, it's like, New Orleans or something. Yeah, it was like on A and E or some shit. Like, yeah. and then, like we show him doing bus, and then he was like, apparently he was like a musician. Tom Segura has a whole bit about this. Yeah, where he talks about could, could, well, he talks about two things. He said one. There's a real world possibility that if you go down to whatever town this is in Louisiana yeah, and get drunk out of control, you'll be stopped by Steven Seagal. You could get arrested by <laughs> Steven Seagal. But he was saying the worst shit about it is mm-hmm. that Steven Seagal, they'll have like these little breakout things where he like he's supposedly training these cops and yeah. martial arts and shit. But it's the laziest like little half kicks, like yeah. <laughs> like like you've seen from some of the worst yes. martial arts experts he's ever done. Yeah, and actually, I had a little kick a couple months back where I just watched like all of his like early movies. Yeah, those were good. They were they good were and extremely goddamn graphic in terms of oh, how. Yeah. yeah, in terms of like the kills and stuff like that. He's poking out people's eyes and breaking bones and all this other crazy shit, man. Too many like, good. I mean, great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only reason I watched the Steven Seagal movie because he really, uh, in terms of like, he took it, he took his shit seriously. I give him that. Mm-hmm. Probably a little too seriously for some people, but like his There's movies, no such thing as too seriously. It was, it was <laughs> wonderful. In some cases, yeah. But uh, did you but, see him in Machete? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was a Machete, wasn't he? <laughs> who was who was a who was a better villain? Him or uh, Mel Gibson in the Machete series? Oh, I give it to Mel Gibson. I, I give it to Mel Gibson. Yeah, it's just because you want to hate on him more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I give it to Mel Gibson. But see, that's where it's that's where it's cheap. When when you have somebody who's had that big of a public like fucking but, disaster, down, yeah. and then you have him go play a bad guy, it's like it's not even fair. Like, <laughs> like I always figured. I don't. You watch Hannibal, like yes. the Hannibal series. Well, not not the TV show, but like the yeah. the, the trilogy, I guess at this point. Yeah, the Hannibal Lecter movie. Yeah. Right. So when Hannibal Rising comes out, mm-hmm. I was so pissed because I wanted it to be a great film, but they cheated. They made it so that the whole reason he becomes a cannibal, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is because he was forced to eat his little sister during World War II by yeah. a bunch of these creepy you know, assholes or whatever. And so it's like at that point, it's like, no, 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 no. I mean, look, you know, because I worked on serial killer projects and all those different movies and all the shit I do with those foundations and everything else. Yes. These guys, they don't become strangely and weirdly some sort of like a almost altruistic serial killer because they were forced to accidentally eat their sister or something during a war. Okay. <laughs> this shit happens because they've got some serious psychological wiring that's fucked up 12 I, ways from something. I was about to say, there's a very specific amount yeah. of circumstances. And so when you do that, so that you can cheer for him when he's like, Killing Vichy scum and everything else. Yeah. It's like, what the, like at that point, you just declawed it. It's not what it was. Like, what made like Hannibal or, or Silence of the Lambs so damn terrifying was that that shit's real. 
Yeah, you don't feel sympathy for like, him. He's a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, there's so much about who and what he is and the way stuff is going that it should terrify you because those guys are out there. And he's barely in that movie, the first one. He's well, but bitch. that just goes like we've talked about a million times before. Yeah, the power of performance. Yeah. He's hardly in that movie. <laughs> but all. but it's all about him. Yeah, it is. I mean, yes, yeah. everything about Silence of the Lambs from beginning to end, it's all Hannibal Lecter. When anybody, whenever anybody talks about it, <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. even think about they don't even think about Buffalo Bill. No, they don't. And he's the main villain. Yeah, I mean, he's the one who should be scariest. You you never see you never see Hannibal Lecter touch a person in Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Yeah. Well, he does. He, well, he eats that one guy's face. Oh, that's true. I forgot. He, I forgot. <laughs> there, there's for the majority it's of the film, he doesn't touch anybody, with the exception yeah. when he kills the cop, Charles Napier. You know, the the most bloody scene of the whole damn yeah, film. Yeah, Charles. That I totally screwed up. There, you're right. <laughs> It puts the lotion on its skin or it's against the hose again. <laughs> well, see, now, now you've got your one. I, I 300 bust with Mandy Moore. You got me with the total fuck-up of, yes, the bloodiest kill of the whole movie. It puts the lotion in the basket. It puts the goddamn lotion in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fucking freaky character, Dude, man. To, to go from Buffalo Bill to being on Monk. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is him. <laughs> Oh my god! Is that one of the best yeah, transitions? That is the same guy. And apparently, Chris Griffin on Family Guy, the voice is based on Buffalo Bill. <laughs> I gotta say though, my my favorite favorite line of the whole thing is when Clarice comes to the door, mm-hmm. knocks on the door, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Oh wait, is she a great big fat person?" <laughs> it's a delivery where he's like got marbles in his mouth. I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me so hard. No, I don't like that scene. A lot of people don't <laughs> like that scene. That scene is terrifying. It's so gross. Oh, yeah, just thinking about it, it's so gross. Okay, moving on to something less terrifying. Boom. That fucking music. But what's crazy, though, yeah. right? So that movie, one of the most violent films of that era. Yeah. One of the most psychologically damaging films of that era, without yeah. question. Yeah. Today? I was like, eh. No. Yeah. Eh. It would not get the same response today. Eh. And it's weird to say that because I, I guess just because of the fact that the era we live in, we're just so desensitized to extremes. exactly drama. what it is. Well, just so, extremes, period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You see, you know, this kind of stuff in the news every day much less in a movie so well, it's like yeah so. hell I mean with, with YouTube and everything else yeah you can watch you, you one, can literally watch beheadings yeah you can watch way worse shit just at the click of a and button it's, and it's real I mean snuff films are out there oh my god it's, so it's, gross. it's horrible what was that site uh, what else whatever how many ways to die or some shit like that where they would show stuff like that no, I don't know. There, there used to be. What was there? There was a. I don't remember a site, but there was a, There was movies, uh, Faces of Death. Yeah, that's it. That they used to have the, the VHS, as you can find out there. Back when we were kids, people are goddamn sick, man. Yeah, <laughs> so that kind of shit. Let's get on more happy attention, okay? Because start thinking about so that Disney kind of crap. Plus next week. <laughs> how's that for? How's that for a segue? Are you going to buy in? I'm thinking about it. I am. They're going to be doing that. Uh, they're supposed to be doing a bundle with. Ooh, Hulu. Disney, Disney Plus, yeah. ESPN Plus, and uh, Hulu. Hulu, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, Which I'm, I'm down for that, man, dude. For South Park and and it's always sunny in Philly alone. Yeah, I'm on board for something like that. And then you yeah. add to it all the Marvel properties, all yeah. the old Disney properties. I still love get whatever, all the Star Wars care. stuff. Yeah, and then the new shows that are coming out, like The Mandalorian, and yeah. the one I'm most excited about, uh, mainly because of the fact I'm such a big fan of the comic, is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. 
Because yeah, I love I saw that's coming. I love a good espionage comic book. I love a good espionage movie. And I know this show. I know the storyline of that show with the Captain America get down. And I'm looking forward most to seeing how Anthony Mackie portrays Captain America. Because he's the new Captain America in the MCU. And, you know what I'm saying, that's a big role to step into, you know, especially because Chris Evans had been doing it for like 10 years. And now, and then, to think about that, like, Chris Evans, when he first started, was not considered like this, like, oh my God, this great actor. But uh, in the years since he's been doing that character, you know. He it, carries he, it well. He carries it very well. And I was actually, I had my doubts initially when I, when I first heard the uh, casting. But he's done it so well for so many years, and now people miss him because, in fact, he... Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, Chris Evans has stepped away, and now Anthony Mackie is the new Captain America, which actually follows the comics where uh, Captain America gets old and steps down and hands over the mantle to the Falcon. You mean to the Dread Pirate Roberts? Yeah, to (laughs) Dread Pirate Roberts. The real Dread Pirate Roberts has been retired for 15 years. (laughs) Princess Bride, Roberts, (laughs) I like that. But that's the show I'm looking forward to the most. And then, of course, his his adventures with uh, Bucky, the Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan. Because if you see interview segments uh, for any of the movies in terms of promotion, more often than not, you see Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan together, and they have great chemistry. Yeah. Like, even in the movies, like, they have scant parts together. Like, uh, I think the first one that really kind of put them together was... uh, uh, Cap, Captain America Civil War and they had great chemistry just in the little parts that they had together and well, you, you it, gotta yeah. have that back and forth that ping pong or you can't carry it true and I'm I mean not, otherwise it's just it's a CGI slugfest yeah basically which is nothing wrong with that yeah. but, yeah, and I mean, another one I think you would dig too is an animated one they're doing for Marvel uh, on Disney Plus it's called What If and I've heard about that one. no what it is is there was like a kind of like an Elseworlds type of comic for uh, for Marvel where they would do like hypothetical scenarios about okay. well placed heroes like what if somebody else was Captain America or what if Bruce Banner never became the Hulk or what if hmm. you know stuff like that what if Spider-Man okay. joined the Fantastic Four you know the, the, and they will work it out in the book and what they're going to do is they're going to do it animated and they're going to do it with the actual people from the MCU they're going to be reprising their roles okay. on the show animated style and I believe the first one for you fans out there is what if Agent Carter Peggy Carter became Captain America instead of Steve Rogers Huh. So that's the I think the first episode they're doing, and <coughs> I'd, be, I'd be up for something like that. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's different. It's going to be out there. It's going to be pretty much all new stories, but with the same, with the same established characters. So that's going to be a good one too. I'll, t- I'll tell you on the comic book side what I'm uh, I'm waiting to see, and I'm I'm very interested to see is this reboot for the series they're doing for uh, for the Watchmen. Oh yeah. Because I, I gotta say, like I've I've watched the I watched the director's cut and of mm-hmm. course theatrical cut. I, I own the theatrical cut for for the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. As somebody like I, like I've told you before, and people may or may not know, I didn't grow up with comic books. Mm-hmm. Freaking awesome! Yeah, I thought it was a really great and kind of creative and new direction to go with it. I mean, I can understand how people would be like it's a little operatic. Maybe slightly over the top with some stuff, but yeah. you go big or you go home. That's more the Zack Snyder portion of it, but yeah. the actual comic book itself by Alan Moore is fantastic. It's groundbreaking. It really, well, you know, yeah. It's, well, one thing though, I will say, if you yeah. are going to watch, it, if you've never watched it before, yeah. don't watch the director's cut. Yeah, there's all these intercuts where they they throw in a lot of. Uh, a, a, I can't even remember. There's a, a another graphic novel that they actually do an animation of that cuts in and out. Oh. Throughout the director's cut, and it'll throw you off. And it, it I, I get why they they force him to cut it mm-hmm. because it really impacts the pacing. I mean, it's a nice kind of a 
subtext, but I mean, it's it's a bit cerebral for something that's going to be a you know a big box office release. Yeah, well, they actually have already released uh, their first season of this new show, Watchmen, yeah. with Regina King, and a couple episodes in now. HBO Go. Yes, and uh, I I I haven't actually had a chance to watch it myself yet, but I've heard nothing but great things, and I heard really it gets into the whole uh, race issue thing. Uh, they kind of alluded to it a little bit in the movie, but they really get into it on the show. And I heard, of course, Regina King is uh, stellar and spectacular, so I had no doubt that that was going to be that. Um, so, yeah, there are a couple episodes in, and I'm hearing nothing but good things so far. Yeah, so I mean, I, this, this is going to be... Yeah. Look, for comic book movies, I think we're getting into... Because for a minute there, we were mm-hmm. starting to kind of roll into something where it was starting to be, for lack of a better term, redundant. Mm-hmm. But I think we're starting to get some fresh takes. Yeah. And it's swinging back around to some where we're going to see some interesting stuff. There's going to be some swings and misses. Yes. But. And, yeah. But, and actually, speaking of which, uh, speaking of comic book movies, uh, one thing that's um, been kind of rolling last couple of days in terms of posts and um, news and whatnot is the uh, Robert Pattinson Batman. <laughs> a lot of stuff has been happening with that in the last couple of days, actually. Uh, but as far as, and, and it's mainly in terms of the casting. It's all um, casting right now. Yeah. Um, mainly, uh, the first couple, uh, who did I see they're talking to for penguin? I'm, I'm going to get to that actually. Uh, for so far, the first couple of people that we have confirmed for the movie is number one is a uh, Jeffrey Wright is going to be the new commissioner Gordon, black commissioner Gordon for the first That's time. Good. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is going to be Catwoman, which good is a, very good casting, but this is where it gets, you know, interesting. Colin Farrell, is in talks to play the penguin. That's who it was. Colin Farrell. Yeah. I I'll be honest with you folks, I'm not necessarily with it. Look, he's short. He's short, but at the same time he's <laughs> a very slim character. The the, the Here's penguin, question. Is he shorter than Robert Pattinson? Probably, I don't doubt it. Well see, there you go. That's halfway there. But report but but in terms of the comic book itself, in terms of staying true to the comic <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> the penguin has always been sort of a portly sort of character so like when I saw reports that people like Jonah Hill or Josh Gad were in talks to play the Penguin I was with that because they actually you know could play that part but Colin Farrell Look, let's, let's, I, actually let's, have, I actually haven't forgiven him for his bullseye let's, for that, yeah. movie, so. that was actually the picture they were using in uh, Hollywood Reporter mm-hmm. <laughs> so let, let me just say this um, I, I don't have very high hopes because I, I don't know how First of all, I don't know that much about him, but I don't know how Robert Pattinson is going to play Bruce Wayne, let alone Batman. True. Which was my problem with, with Ben Affleck. I could totally see Ben Affleck as Batman beating the shit out of guys at night. Mm-hmm. He never sold me as Bruce Wayne. Mm. Now, the only thing I'm going to say about the rest of the casting is uh, I was really hard, like completely against Keith Ledger. Mm-hmm. And I was totally wrong on that. Yes. 100%. Yeah, we talked about it before. Yeah. But in the same way I felt with Heath that this was a guy who just, how the hell are you going to touch Jack Nicholson? Mm-hmm. I don't know how the hell you're going to touch Danny DeVito as a penguin. <laughs> I mean, the dude was out of control. But they're watching his zones, zone <laughs> sky high. That's, oh, really? that's, that's one of the ones we're going to have to do a watch along for because, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that is a whole nother level of what the hell. I'm going to teach him my French French trick. <laughs> such a little perv as the piglet. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I'd have to go through it. I'm just going off the top of my head here. But I can't think of a time that Danny DeVito has been more unchained save for, and it's always sunny in Philly. Mm, 
he is out of control. I mean, he's and look, he's a talented director, writer, producer, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. normally, his characters, even when they're a little bit crazy, mm-hmm. they're still connected to to reality in some sense. There's, there's a performance aspect going on where you feel like it's a more of a crafted thing. I felt like his yeah. penguin yeah. was just him on like some sort of a, a, a cocaine or methamphetamine bender and he's just like yeah like I, I know you don't, I know you don't really watch it's always sunny in Philly but there's one episode called Frankenstein mm-hmm. and he it's all from his his point of view mm-hmm. and he's doing drugs and all kinds of shit because he's just he's a wild man in that in that show yeah that's what I felt like it was it's like oh by the way um, you're a flamidomite baby with the flipper hands, and you're the penguin, and go. <laughs> and he's like, all right. Yeah, okay, so I do give you that. And also another interesting piece of casting on the show, uh, I, I posted on this, uh, on my Belsaverse, of course, go to Belsaverse on Facebook. Always. But uh, I'll give you a hint as to who they want for uh, Two-Face. Oh, shit, I saw, um, who is it they were casting for Harvey Dent? I did see that. I'll give you a hint. All right, all right, all right. That's right, McConaughey. That's who it was. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey as Two Face. Who's directing this again? <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was Matthew Vaughn. I believe. I'm going to reserve judgment. I believe it's Matthew Vaughn. You yeah. think he's got some talent? The yeah. guy's got some talent. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, res- I'm reserving. I'm reserving judgment. <laughs> McConaughey. Has I don't know what his vision is. I'm a fifties comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Tails, new legs. All right. I was like, no, I think it'd be more like tails. Tails, tails. It'd be a lot cooler if it was heads. <laughs> you got to do the laugh. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but yeah, I was like, McConaughey, man. But hey, you know what? Just like you just said, I reserve judgment until I actually see the finished product. Well, and look, here's the thing. As much as everyone gives him a hard time about the Southern accent and all that shit, mm-hmm. the guy's a hell of a performer. Yes, he is. And if anyone's going to be able to throw themselves into it mm-hmm. anywhere near the same level as uh, as, as Aaron Eckhart, yeah. it's him. That's good That's good casting. Yeah. So I say uh, to all those involved with this new Batman project, more power to you, and I hope it turns out to be a great movie. I really do. So speaking of Batman, yeah. did you see Ben Affleck's got a new project with Robert Rodriguez? No, I did not. It's going to be some sort of like a, like a, a thriller where he's like a detective thriller, mystery thriller. I think he's trying to solve his daughter's murder or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they're, they're being tight-lipped beyond that, but it's going to be interesting. I think the two of them working together could be a whole new level of something. Because Ben Affleck, his strength aside from, I mean, he's a hell of a director and a hell of a producer. Yeah. When it comes to acting, it's always grit. Yeah, he's always better if he sticks, you know, a little more gritty, a little more street guy. Like even that's what sold him in Argo. I about to say, is it set in Boston? They didn't say where it's set. Okay, it was probably gonna be in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's Rodriguez. It could be LA. But more likely, it's Affleck, so it'll probably be Boston. <laughs> Make it a little easier. Yeah, would wouldn't it? Although you know, I gotta say though, his accent mm-hmm. isn't, isn't really that heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of feel, <laughs> sorry. Mm. I kind of feel like. Um, Wahlberg's accent's a lot heavier. Oh yeah, that's that's. But you know, that's just me. <laughs> We're taking a little drink break here, ladies and gentlemen, to make sure the the voices are you know, properly parched and all that good stuff. Shia, uh, Shia LaBeouf has a biopic. <laughs> Why are they doing a biopic with Shia LaBeouf? Apparently, because he's dying. What? Well, don't you normally do a biopic at the end of someone's life? <laughs> he's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, I just. 
Oh, I can't figure out any other reason why they do it. That's a weird old thing to do. Like, he hasn't really... <laughs> he's like, he's our age. He's like 30 years old and he's doing a biopic. I, I really There's don't, no way the first 30 years of your life... I really don't feel he has even reached a zenith of his career to even deserve a biopic. Well, dude, if you're going to do a biopic at 30, mm-hmm. either you are dying and you, you like, I don't know, save the president and earn the Medal of Honor, or uh, it's going to be like 12 minutes long. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't. Is, is there any way for your life to be that interesting? I really hope did? this is like unsubstantiated rumors. No, this, this is, is straight out of Hollywood Reporter. Dude, man. why are they doing this? He was just there. I can't remember who it was. They they've got. They're calling it Honey Boy. What? Why? Because <laughs> he's a honey boy. Stupid fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. That is a really stupid fucking Honey Boy. That's what it said. That's. It's not like a fucking gay nightclub or something. You, you can read this, too. It's let's, on Hollywood Reporter. Let's go to Honey Boy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so weird. <laughs> but actually, on the biopic thing, uh, I was actually just talking about this the other day because uh, they've kind of stalled on this, but like, well, I was really excited when they uh, first announced it was the uh, the uh, Hulkamania oh, uh, yeah. biopic. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Chris Hemsworth as mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. And... Uh, and Dude, that'd and they, be killer. And they haven't announced it yet, but I'm very sure, I'm almost positive they're gonna have Bradley Cooper as Vince McMahon. What are they gonna do for Andre? That's that's the really the big how the, big the hell question. do you cast someone to play Andre? How you cast somebody to play Macho Man Randy Savage? Huh? Oh no, I got it. Roddy Piper or the Ultimate Warrior, guys of that time frame, or even probably they have a couple other wrestlers. I got, I as, got Macho Man. Who who who? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> You no, put sunglasses absolutely in not. And a hat on him. Absolutely not. I do not see McConaughey, McConaughey as the Macho it. Man. Oh, dude, he would be the best. No. He would be the best. Hell no. <laughs> I do not see McConaughey at all. I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big passionate wrestling fan, ladies and gentlemen. So, no, I do not I'm, see McConaughey I'm, I'm, I'm at got, all. As I've, a got macho a, man. I've actually, I've got a friend. We were in school together. She works for WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it WWF or WWE now? WWE. Uh, w- they, they got sued by the World Wildlife Fund. It's WWE. Okay. So since, since they're WWE, anyway, I'll, uh, I'll I'll hit her up, see what she can do to put it together. She's like a middle. Don't do that. Do not do that. Get McConaughey. Get McConaughey. McConaughey to play, to play Macho Man. But actually, uh, the the big thing about it is, it's actually uh, written and going to be written and directed by Ty Phillips. Dude, just, that's going to be killer. Exactly. So uh, see, and that's one of the things. Like, I love I love seeing this when when comedic guys mm-hmm. can make that jump because there's like there's there's a sense that comedic directors I feel like have. That plays so well into dramatic stuff because I feel like guys that are in comedy, and this is another thing with like comedic actors, yeah. guys that start out comedic, there's a certain depth they get. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they're always in that, uh, how, how have I heard it said before? It's uh, it's almost like a sense of um, quiet anguish or, or quiet, uh, quiet desperation. Okay. And so there's like this sense of watching all the time where you're always on the outside, you're always mm-hmm. trying, because for whatever reason, you just, you're weird, you don't fit in. From what I've heard, they're gonna have some comedic undertones in it, obviously. But uh, oh, yeah, but but it's mainly Dude. but it's mainly gonna be the heyday of '80s uh, wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like when uh, you know back in the day when they were still on, you know, when they were actually shown on MTV. Yeah, yeah, you know? when it was killer. Yeah, it was super killer when it first got really, really big. And like, like I said, that's the most interesting concept. To, well, part of the actual uh, thing itself is I'm interested to see who they're going to cast for certain roles. Now, my the obvious choice to me for Andre would be the big show, uh, Paul White. Because, um, in fact, he's pretty much been billed as 
Andre Jr. pretty much his entire career. I mean, he's yeah. the closest in, in actual legitimate size. And he is a pretty decent actor. So, what is he, what has he been in? Uh, he's, he was uh, in The Water Boy. He was a uh, Captain Insano. He was a uh, oh yeah, that's right. He had a couple movies by himself. Uh, there's yeah, a movie yeah. called Knucklehead that he did for the WWE. That was pretty funny. But he's done like cameos and certain stuff. Whatever. He's great. So Mickey Work got a park in this. Or? I, I doubt it. <laughs> he's a wrestler. No, that brought him back. <laughs> Yeah, did bring him back, but I'm very serious that I didn't have Mickey Rourke in here. But are they going to get The Rock to play, uh, uh, was it the, the Volcano Kid? The Volcano Kid, no. If anything, they would, <laughs> they would bring The Rock back to play his dad, Rocky Johnson, who was a wrestler during the Hogan times. All right, all right, that'd be good. So there you go. All right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> What's John Cena going to do? John Cena, I don't know what the hell he's going on. Actually, he's, he's in Suicide Squad. Is he? In the new, the only new, thing I've seen yeah. built for him is this new playing with fire thing. Yeah, fuck that. No, no, nobody's gonna <laughs> it's like that. his daddy daycare. I, John Cena <laughs> is a very decent actor. He's actually pretty good in the. What was that movie he, Marine? Right? He, Wasn't that his his movie? That, that was his first big movie. That was killer. Yeah, yeah, that was solid. But in recent years, he's been doing a lot of great roles in like comedic films. He was great in Trainwreck. He's like he kind of stole the show I in Trainwreck. It was it's not that great a movie, but his part. <laughs> That's he's why at, I didn't watch but it. he's actually pretty great in, in it. Like, well, good for him. And he's also great in uh, Sisters, that movie with Amy Poehler and uh, Tina Fey. He plays like this, like tattoo drug dealer and shit. <laughs> but he actually he, he does great in that movie. And right. then at one point, he's actually the close. I think he's like one of the runner ups for Shazam. Because they were trying. Yeah, he was. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, like I said, I think yeah. the guy's a great actor. In fact, yeah. Was it? Uh, I think even before I saw Marine, there was an episode of the show uh, Psych. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Episode of Psych where he plays uh, Detective O'Hara's uh, brother, who's like a, a yeah. you know, secret agent or something. He also did a Parks and Rec. What was he in Parks and Rec? He did he did a Parks and Rec as John Cena. It was like one of their final episodes of the final oh, season. I must I must have missed it in the final season. I think I've seen just about every episode. No, they did a you know the Johnny Karate character that Chris Pratt had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, well, they did a whole show. It was just his show, shown from his show's perspective. I don't remember John Cena in that. John I remember Cena, that episode. John Cena was the guest. Dude, I don't remember that. Yep. I have to watch that again. Yep, yep. Uh, but uh, in he's terms solid. of yes, he is. But in terms of like Suicide Squad, he's been joining a lot of the people that were in the original movie. Uh, a couple of omissions. Uh, Will Smith is not going to be in this one. Uh, I think they replaced him with Idris Elba, which is that's good, really good, that's solid casting. But like my thing with Suicide Squad is I like the first the first go around they had a missed opportunity here because if you say the concept. Of the Suicide Squad out loud. It sounds like a killer movie. Think about this. Team full of supervillains coerced by the government into doing covert missions that are pretty much suicide missions. If they try to escape, they die. If they try to, you know, uh, not do their orders, they die. Uh, if they even think about, like, uh, attacking anybody uh, without the government's consent, they die. You know what I'm saying? And they got these explosives in their necks. And, you know what I'm saying, they have to be good guys. If they don't, they'll get killed. Hmm. So the concept by itself is killer. Uh, just the execution of it in the first one, I don't know what the hell happened. Well, but let's let's start with production design. Yeah, because <laughs> here's the thing: I get where they were going, and I think it started in cyberpunk, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a bad production design. I actually, personally, aesthetically, I like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool setting in which to have have a show, have something going on. Mm-hmm. Part of where they jumped the shark on that was they went from cyberpunk all the way to Willy Wonka color palette. Yeah. <laughs> so it was cyberpunk, but with super saturated, over the top. Mm-hmm. 
And then it's like I told you, I've said this to you a hundred times, just like I, I said to Phil and, and all the other guys that we've talked to about this. Mm-hmm. Jared Leto, poor guy. Should, whatever was going through his head or whoever, whoever else has had, they should have had him wait. Mm-hmm. Because the first person to go after after Heath Ledger was going to get crucified no matter how good or bad it was. And yeah. then on top of it, they jumped the shark with the production design. Mm-hmm. They went nuts with the tattoos and all over the top of all that. And turned yeah. into just some methodic joker. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, look, if you watch it, if you put all that, that other shit out of your head and you try to just watch it like as an actual performance unto itself. Yeah. He's a great performer. Yeah. It's not a bad performance. The writing's not not spectacular for his part, at least what they released. Yeah. But it wasn't horrible. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't campy. It wasn't bad on his part. He didn't break. There wasn't anything that ruined the suspension of disbelief. The mm-hmm. problem was when you watch it, mm-hmm. you don't want him. Yeah. The problem is you want Heath Ledger. You want the, the – I think I saw some meme that was breaking down all the different Jokers as though they're on different drugs. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with – you wanted the heroin Joker, not the meth Joker. Yeah. You wanted Heath Ledger's like twisted what the hell logic. And then mm-hmm. after you got stuck with the you know, the meth addict version, yeah. then we got the 40-hour work week version from yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, which was like, okay, shit, here we go. Yeah. All right, I'm on board. Yeah. Well, the thing with uh, the Jared Leto thing, too, is like I just remember the preparation going into Suicide Squad and all the weird stories you would hear about Jared Leto and how he's just so method about the role and how he was sending his castmates weird ass gifts. Like he sent like Margot Robbie a used condom. And he sent like, uh, I think he sent like Will Smith like uh, a box with a live rat in it. Like weirdo <laughs> shit like that. Like he's just so into. Well, but he's a method yeah. actor yeah. in and of itself. Because I mean, like you go all the way back, you know, towards the beginning of his career, right? You get to like, uh, like Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah. He is a, he is a hell of a performer. Wasn't that shit uh, my so-called Idaho or whatever the fuck? You know what I don't I'm remember about. what that one was called. Yeah, it was something about Idaho. But he's <laughs> so, some about one of those states up there. One of them, one of them damn states that I'll never go to. <laughs> you just go to Idaho. It's nice. I'm sure you it go is. skiing. I'm sure it is. I'll never go though. <laughs> you say that, and you end up having to go promote a movie there someday. Do stand up comedy. Probably. But <laughs> I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. <laughs> but you never know. In yeah. this world, you never know. Yeah. But yeah, like. Uh, Going into the whole reboot remake uh, argument right here, because I just saw today that they're doing a bunch of different reboots and remakes. Now, one mm-hmm. that I was actually kind of excited about because I did watch uh, uh, ABC when they did the uh, live All in the Family and the live Jeffersons oh, and all yeah. that stuff. They're doing another live one. Yep. Good times. I was like, wow, okay. Good times. They're bringing back good times. Huh? Nice but now, movie. this is another one I'm going to be interested in the casting. Who's going to play James? Who's going to play Florida? Who's going to play JJ? That's really the one everybody <laughs> want to know. Who the fuck is going to play JJ? Well, but, I mean, part of the reason why it's going this direction, why stuff shifted. Mm-hmm. Appointment television. You know, that's what they call it, right? When you watch the old style TV, you got to be there. Mondays at 7, whatever it is. Yes. It, the, the ratings are horrible. Yeah. Streaming's murdered it. Yeah. The only way the networks get the eyeballs... Anywhere near the same amounts, live events. So, like my world, I came from before before I got into what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. It was all all live uh, uh, award shows, right? So it was all that kind of stuff we're doing doing all the behind the scenes shit on. So mm-hmm. those guys, even even like for whatever reason, it was always the red carpet lead up to mm-hmm. was where they got the most eyeballs and everybody's into it, and then it steadily dropped off throughout. Well, then they started playing around with all these musicals and doing the live musicals, and the fact that it's live and you might see a mistake and all that. 
mm-hmm. you could still grab people and gravitate them back in. And now they're finding that, even bringing back these, you know, one-offs of these TV shows that, I mean, let's be honest, sitcom is basically a play. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I yeah. love sitcoms. Yeah. But it's basically a play, allowing the audience mm-hmm. at home to be part of the live studio audience. Mm-hmm. The difficulty, all that, it makes it more exciting. Yeah, and like I said, the ones they've executed so far have actually been well. I did They're like, I like, I like the All in the Family one and the Jeffersons one, and was, I thought it was interesting the casting with uh, Jamie Foxx's George Jefferson and uh, mm-hmm. what's her name, Wanda Sykes's Louise. Uh, she didn't really have the voice right, but who can get that? But, have you seen her doing stand up lately? Yeah, she got one on uh, Netflix now. I like Wanda. Yeah, she's funny. Yeah, she didn't quit. She didn't quite get the Wheezy Jefferson voice, but it came about to re- really get that Isabel, I mean, come on. the Isabel Sanford hard living voice. George, it's like it's like it's like trying to get somebody to do Donald Duck. It's it's you either got it or you don't. I've been trying to do a Donald Duck for years. Oh, I, what you got? I don't know. I ain't want to tempt it on this on this thing because it sounds too bad. But uh, yeah, like that, I can, I can do a Weezy Jefferson man. That's that hurts my voice. Fucking, you did pretty good. Nothing bad. Oh George, <laughs> like there's always been a joke like what it's like for George and Weezy to have sex. <laughs> oh George, oh uh, yeah, oh, I'm almost dead. <laughs> oh. Oh, you're killing it. You're killing it, George. Sounds like you're having sex with like a 50 year old teamster. You've <laughs> <laughs> been smoking three packs. We had day. to take it there, folks. <laughs> oh, my God, George, you're filling me up. <laughs> this is definitely not a family show. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for folks to listen to this shit. <laughs> oh, there is man. a comment section. There is a comment. There is a comment section, isn't there? <laughs> oh, and man. Yeah. we're off iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not on iTunes. I'm sure there's worse stuff on iTunes. But uh, also another reboot. Going back to that, uh, there's a thing. Alf. Dude, I didn't hear about that. They're trying to bring back Alf. Dude, I still have my stuffed Alf at home that I had from when I was a little kid. But don't, yeah, I, like, Alf. That's why I believe in eating cats to this day. Alf is of our generation. I'm not sure kids today are going to get Alf. Dude, he's eating cats. We need to promote that. But the voice, hey, hey what are you doing there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Milmec. That was the name of the plan, if right? I, if, I'm being, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. I don't remember a single episode or even moment of Alf. I don't remember his voice. I just remember I had the damn stuffed hey. animal when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Hey there, guys. You know, there's, there's something similar to that. You know what they should do? Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs. Oh, uh, and the baby got to love me? Not the daddy. Or I, no, not the mama. That's what I can't, it is. I can't, I can't, I can't get it. Not the mama. <laughs> not the go. baby. Gotta love me. That shit. Yeah. I yeah. Know what With the little pink baby. My little cousin. Dude, you know, that was actually a funny show. My little cousin looked just like that baby when she was a baby. <laughs> I know you, she listened going, to my, my cousin Sade. She looks just like that damn baby. You're going to get it when you see her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I will, but, you know, it's whatever. But, she, but she's cute, though. She's a cute little chunky baby. Dude, I'll, 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 I love that show so much. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll still go on YouTube and watch clips. Bob the baby got to love me. Yeah. And, the, uh, and then, speaking of George Jefferson, he was the, vo- he was the boss, right? Yeah. He was the voice of the boss. Like a stegosaurus or some shit, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah, what yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a stegosaurus. It was like a stegosaurus. But that's what's weird, though. When you watch that show, 
you can't. It's really difficult to figure out what the hell any one of those dinosaurs like actual is. would be. It's just they're like giant weird lizard people. Basically, it's basically Roseanne if they were all lizards. Eh, yeah, the, the dad. He looks like he, he looks he, like he, uh, he, like, uh, like, uh, like John, John Goodman. Goodman yeah. Even with the shirt and everything, like he does actually. And yeah. all the dinosaurs for some reason wear shirts but no pants. Or the oh, was it or the son with the Letterman's jacket? Yeah, exactly. And the and the spiked hair. Yeah, but it's not hair. It's just like he's got spikes on his head. Dinosaurs. What's some other weird shows I probably try to bring back? My mother the car. My mother the car. We we, we had a whole discussion about my mother the I'd car. I'd love to bring back my mother the car. Oh, look What's that shit with the girl with those? That was a robot. Uh, the girl is a robot. Small wonder. Dude, I never saw that. Dude, there was a show back in the eighties where it was a, it was a sitcom. It was a little girl, and like her dad wanted a like a daughter, so he created a daughter, a robot daughter. And it, was just, it was like this little girl pretending to be a robot. <laughs> uh, small wonder, that was the name of the shit. You know, you know what they could bring back, and they could probably still get. I think they could get all the original casts, or just about Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, actually, everybody, a lot of people have been clamoring for a Third Rock reboot for years. So actually, there's an audience there. Dude, it's, it was a great show. There's an audience there for that show, man. So I watched a couple episodes. I thought it was okay. Like it didn't really kill. It didn't really like. Oh my god! I gotta watch the show. Really but for a sitcom in the '90s, it was solid. And here's the thing that I think is the best about it: with a weird premise. It was the most original premise of anything. Yeah, with a weird premise. Yeah. And it allowed them to explore all kinds of. Weird, I mean, there, when, back when I was in school, they always used to tell us, "We're gonna pitch a TV show." The question you're gonna get asked in the room is, "How's that? A hundred episodes?" Mm-hmm. And of everything I've ever heard pitched, anything I've ever tried to pitch. That's the easiest one. How's that 100 episodes? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? This is this is a bunch of aliens trying to figure out people. How is that not 10,000 episodes? They're trying to figure out human nature. You're all, it's human nature, emotions, personal uh, relationships, all that stuff. I mean, they could have had, and they, they did. They had entire episodes just trying to figure out economics. Yeah. Like, it was, it was killer as a premise, and they were so funny in the writing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, another weird show that didn't last, and I know why. Homeboys in Outer Space. <laughs> Dude, I would watch that. That's so stupid. That it was such a stupid we show. Should bring that, we could film it ourselves. It was such a stupid show. We could do it out here in the backyard. Homeboys in Outer Space, man. It's like Flex Alexander and uh, also named Ron from a uh, different world. And they're like these dudes that are stuck in a spaceship or some bullshit like that. <laughs> Wait, aren't they remaking that? I hope not. They're calling it Space Force? <laughs> On Netflix? Oh, yeah! <laughs> sure are. They're doing something similar. It's, it's Space Force on Netflix with uh, Steve Carell. Homeboys and Outer Space. <laughs> so just rename it. With Steve Carell. <laughs> <laughs> Shows with weird premises. That, that's a, that could be right there. That's a whole podcast. That's a whole, by, that's a whole podcast by itself. Just shows with weird premises. Well, and that's man. the thing. You can, do, you can do shows with weird premises that worked, and mm-hmm. then you can do... Ones know, that didn't le- work. Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, you know what? That did work because they had a sequel to that. Just because something gets more than one doesn't saying, mean I'm it works. I'm just works. saying people like that movie. People like Leprechaun Hood for some reason, but people like it. Apparently, people like deep fried sticks of butter, but that don't make it right. It don't make it right, but it's pretty sure it's delicious. <laughs> There's some shit when I hear it, I'm like, going, hockey. Like, there was, there was a video I saw of a lady in Canada mm-hmm. watching a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Literally eating spoonfuls of mayonnaise out of a mayonnaise jar. I saw that. Dude. That's so gross. Just because somebody does it, don't make it right. That's so goddamn <laughs> gross. I'm like, ugh. Oh, my God. 
I show, I show my wife, she's like, well, you, you don't know for sure what's in there. Maybe it's frosting or something. And I see her husband or boyfriend dunking the french fry. And I was like, yes, oh, man, baby, that's, that's mayonnaise. That's mayonnaise right there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we had a little gross out moment here, folks. But that's a really disgusting they're, they're thing They're getting to do. grossed out right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Maybe that's a premise. Yeah, just gro- gross out shit. No, I, I was thinking for a show, it could just be all about different ways to eat mayonnaise. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> or, 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 or movies that gross people out. Mm. Like, we do a whole thing on like the trauma movies. Well, dude, that's... Well, it's not just trauma. I mean, you can even go brand new right now with Human Centipede. Oh, yeah. But trauma <laughs> specialized in it, though. Oh yeah. What, what, what did they? What did they call the? I can't remember. What did they call those things? They were uh, like the weird sewage people, like the sewer drunk people. Uh, Chuds. The chud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, cannibalistic humanoid underdwellers or something. Like yeah, that. they're really. Oh, dude. Yeah, they are so gross. That's a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, I think it was Jenna. Um, Jenna was it Jenna or Jennifer? The the the, the girl who played Pam in the Office. Uh, Jenna. Jenna. She got her start. With, with them, yeah, Jenna Fisher, I think. I Fisher, yeah, yeah, that's what it was Jenna Fisher. She yeah. got her start with them. Oh, really? Yeah, I was at uh, I was at AFM a couple years back. And with was, trauma? Yeah, with trauma. So did uh, James Gunn. It's crazy, man. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Sp- Michael J. White. That was like no his shit. first movie. He was like in one of the Toxic Avengers. I didn't realize that, that. was like his first movie. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously we've we've talked at length about that. I mean, yeah, that dude. Mm-hmm. And actually, if I'm honest about it, the one that, that really exposed me to him and got me into it was Black Dynamite. Actually, uh, the thing that got me into him was Tyson. In the 90s, there was a Mike Tyson movie for HBO. He was Mike Tyson. That's the really? first thing I remember ever seeing him in. He also did an episode of Martin. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was like, I think it was a... Uh, episode where, uh, that's forever yeah now. where Martin and Gina were like in some cabin for like marriage counseling and he was playing like part of a gay couple but then the, <laughs> the, 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 the punchline in the end is kind of find out he's not gay <laughs> it was like uh, it was like giving like they were doing like confession time his partner was like alright look I got something to tell you and uh, I've been trying to tell you this this whole time like I'm not gay man <laughs> and he's like well, I'm not gay either. <laughs> and, they, and then they start kind of plowing around, but then it turns into a full-on wrestling match. <laughs> it's hilarious. But yeah, the yeah, first thing right, I, dude. the very first I thing I ever saw him in, he was Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. So, kudos to Michael John White, man. Still out there doing it. Like I said, we love, we both love Black Dynamite, dude. Oh it is one of the most brilliant pieces of filmmaking ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, the, and it's so quotable. It's yes. infinitely quotable. Well, is Bucket and what is he had? Which is taken from a Rudy Ray Moore movie. But Black Dynamite. I no, sell no, drugs. No, the, 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 uh, the Bucky thing is actually from Disco Godfather by Rudy Ray Moore. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, is Bucket and what is he had? That's the just the Rudy Ray Moore version. Well, you go get an ambulance and tell him what he has had. <laughs> Dog, uh, if, you, if you, any of you people out there have the uh, app Tubi, uh, they have all the uh, Rudy Ray Moore movies right now. I spent a couple, like a night or so, a couple weeks back, watching all of them. Dolomite, The Human Tornado, Petey Wheatstraw, so The good. Devil's Son-in-Law, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, what did I just talk about? Yeah, Disco Godfather, or The Avenging Disco Godfather, depending on how it's marketed. <laughs> so... But it's the same shit. Yes, put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. It's, he just keeps saying that shit over. It has no meaning. Put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. Like, it's supposed to mean something. What the fuck does that mean? 
He just keeps doing it over and over again. You just gotta know. You either, you either know or you don't. He's the godfather of the disco. He's the godfather of the disco. This is fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, kudos to Rudy oh Ray God. Moore. That's the that's a big topic of discussion right now. Yeah. It's Rudy Ray Moore and his movies, in particular Eddie Murphy doing his movies, man. Dude, it's good. To, it's good to see Eddie back doing some really solid comedy. Did you see that Instagram video that Will Smith posted about him visiting Eddie? Yeah, when they're uh, they're at uh, I think where, aren't they supposed to be on the set for um, they're on Coming t- to America too? Right? They're at Tyler Perry Studios. That Bad Boys Two, uh, Bad Boys Three, excuse me, and. Come to America too, or happen to be on the same lot film. Comes over and starts saying hi to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith and like, look, just the star power. Now one thing is Will Smith, mm-hmm. Martin Lawrence, Weston Snipes, Eddie Murphy. I think Tracy Morgan comes in for a little bit. Just that star power, bro. I was like, wow, that is so dope. It is. It looks so. It looks like they're just having so much fun, bro. And like I said, on a brand new Tyler Perry Studios, you can actually see the Will Smith. Uh, they have like, yeah, all the. Uh, Different uh, studios are named after black stars. There's, a, there's the Oprah Winfrey Studio. There's the Denzel Washington Studio. There better, a Will be, there better be an Oprah Winfrey Studio. She supported Smith, him. She Will, started yeah. him out. She was there when they opened this shit. They should yeah. just call the whole place Oprah Winfrey. Might as well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. She set him up. <laughs> she did. But like I said, I'm really happy But with this Eddie... Uh, Renaissance, you know, saying this. Well, yeah. he, he's back with Arsenio, which is great. I uh, love yeah. seeing him with somebody else to really play off of because they've got great chemistry. Who also has a new Netflix special? I didn't know that Arsenio's yeah. got a Netflix. Yes, he does. Yes, because he I, know, I know, I uh, know, Eddie's got one supposed to be what next year, right? Next year, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Arsenio, <laughs> so Arsenio hit it first, so he's in there uh, doing his thing. I haven't watched it all the way through yet. I saw a little bit of it before I went to work the other day. But uh, yeah, so he's back. Arsenio's back. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm just really happy to see this like re- this, this resurgence, man. I'm like, God, like I've been waiting for this for years now, man. Dude, it's a good time. Oh, God, I'm so happy, so happy, so happy, so happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's crazy is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think, as far as specials, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain, but I don't think Eddie's done stand-up since Raw. No, he hasn't. No, no, since, uh, yeah, no, not since Raw. Yeah. Like, Which, that was like 88. Watch that, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was a different time. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he'd, be, he'd be totally canceled in the cancel culture. He did raw today. He actually had to do the cancel culture <laughs> statement because he looked for, well, at least for, at least. It didn't, it didn't age well. It didn't age as well as trading places. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he said, like, you know, I look back at some of the shit I was, like, uh, talking about in that time. Yeah, he kind of apologized for it a little bit because he's like, you know, I was a different guy, different time. I was young, single, you know, just. Uh, in my shit, man. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but I'm pretty sure his, like, stand-up is going to be, he said it's not going to be, like, soft. He's, he's going to be Eddie. He's going to be non-apologetic. He's going to do his shit. But it's going to be a little bit different, you know, because he's a different guy I, now. I'm interested to see what his stand-up now is going to look like alongside of Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Because if you roll the clock back to mm-hmm. Eddie's heyday when he was top of the world in the 80s. Yeah. There was no, I mean, literally the only other person to come close was Richard Pryor. Yeah, and then and then there was, you know, as far as as far as black comedians go, it's kind of kind of chilled out for a minute. Then Chris Rock came in, he took it big. Then you had Bernie, you had uh, Patrice O'Neill, a couple of these guys come in, they were kind of hitting, but nobody was hitting that same level as Eddie mm-hmm. until Chappelle. True. And then Chappelle shot through the roof. Then he mm-hmm. took a break for a minute. Now he's back, just mm-hmm. leading the way. Mm-hmm. 
I'm interested to see because I mean, here's the thing too. Like I've heard, I've heard tons of comedians. Because you know me, I'm a huge, huge stand-up comedy fan. Yeah. One of the things I've heard a lot of these guys say, the guys that are working and been working every day, mm-hmm. it's a muscle. Yeah. Right. So like Joe Rogan refers to the comedy store as a, as his gym. Mm-hmm. He's in there working out every night because that's how you know he makes sure he gets his timing right. He works out a bit. He figures out where the flaws are in the premises. Mm-hmm. Figures out how to you know maybe if I move this word here, I put an extra pause there. I mean the dudes. Guys like him, Bill Burr, all these other guys that are out there working every night, yeah. they're putting it in. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that. Maybe he's doing stuff somewhere, but I haven't heard where, where Eddie's been working out. That's that's a big jump to get back into. One of the things I've been hearing from like a lot of the comedians of uh, today is uh, frequently, for years, they have said, like, frankly, whenever they visit Eddie or whenever they go to Eddie's house, it's basically a stand-up show. And Eddie does, every, does stand-up? Every, yeah, just more or less for like his friends and shit. And frequently, every single one of them, including Chappelle and Jamie Foxx and other people, always say Eddie is always the funniest person in the room. He always kills it. So they've been trying to coerce him into going back into stand-up for years and years I mean, and I, years, and now he's I'll, finally I'll, doing it. I'll stand in line to get the tickets, man. So will I. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there for that. I'm there, bro. I'm going to camp out by the improv. I'm pretty sure he'll be working out there, because right by, and luckily enough, it's right by the V-cut. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Also, another thing that we didn't really kind of go into, we are both cigar aficionados. We're actually both having cigars as we're doing this podcast right now. Yeah, well, what what are you you smoking? Uh, This is just a house blend from a spot called uh, Fat Stogies in Long Beach. And uh, I I really like the place, and they have a good atmosphere. Uh, uh, I've been going there for a good little bit now, pretty much since they opened. And more often than not, when I go to a spot, I usually get the house plan just to kind of see how what it go with. Uh, I could go with the regular. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna get the, you know, uh, a Tor Fuentes or the, uh, you know, Romeo and Julieta or maybe like a Rocky Patel if I got a little extra money. Uh, you kind of got a Spanish accent there when you were saying the Romeo and Julieta. You kind of have to say it like that. <laughs> you kind of have to say it like that. You know, it makes is, me feel a little is special. It, is it Juliet or Juliet? Julia Julieta. <laughs> now, now we completely lost Spanish. And we're, we're going Romeo like Julieta. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, uh, yeah, I usually try to I try out the house blend because mm-hmm. like it's usually mild and it's also more often than not usually not that pricey. So uh, that's always that's usually what I tell people uh, when I go to like a discuss spot for the first time. Like, where do I get? Go for the house blend. It don't cost that a lot of money, and then it's more often than not pretty good little mild smoke. So. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad way to go. I mean, I always try to figure out, too, what's the price point somebody wants to go at and if they really have or haven't smoked cigars before. I mean, here's the thing. If you've never smoked a cigar and you're interested in it and you want something that's going to be good quality for sure, mm-hmm. and especially if you don't have a palate for it, I would go with one of the lighter Davidoffs and I'd get something small. I'd go with, like, a Petite Corona or something like that, maybe even a Lancero, which you know, gives you, nobody should give you shit about it. You're mm-hmm. learning. Yeah, but that's always a solid flavor profile, and it's not too heavy for people that don't. I mean, yeah. tonight I'm I'm smoking a trifecta from Tabac. Nice. Uh, which actually he's a the local blender here in town. He's a member at this club I used to be a member of way back in the day, and mm-hmm. gotta say this is a solid solid little stick. Yeah, man. Like uh, for anybody who is a cigar aficionado as as we are, uh, we always suggest going to cigar lounges because in fact you know what a cigar lounge. Most people who do not know, uh, it's a great it's a great environment. Most well, of the most of the ones you go to are really great environments. You got, you know, nice nice furniture. More often than not, this, this is more often than not, nice furniture. 
Uh, they usually got nice TVs. They probably got some kind of sports on or maybe movies, depending on which one you go to. Well, what time of year it is. And, you know, the other thing, too, is you're going to meet some good people. In fact, that's literally how this whole thing got started. Exactly. We met in the cigar lounge. And uh, the first probably four or five times we hung out, we didn't plan it. We just run into <coughs> each other. And then we'd spend the next cigar, cigar and a half, which is you know, maybe two hours, yeah. quoting movies to each other. Yeah. Literally, that was it. Basically. Quoting movies, quoting TV shows. And when I say quoting, I don't mean saying, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Like going back and forth with major pain lines. Exact quotes. Man. Exact quotes. And we'd do Black Dynamite or we'd jump into Trading Places or whatever it was. Yeah, truth be told, I've been like that since I was a kid. Like in terms of like uh, be, being able to like watch a movie. If if I watch a movie twice, I got it. Like I've always been had a pretty good memory with that kind of stuff. So like remembering lines, remembering exact moments, etc. I've always been like that. I've always had that muscle, and which is so, which is why I'm so happy I got this podcast now, and we have this podcast well, it, now. It gives us, gives us a place to have it as an outlet. Yes, and it also you know kind of gives us an opportunity to showcase how we're. Kind of the same yes. <laughs> in, in this yes. one particular yeah. weird regard. Yeah, and then the weird part about it is, like, since we've been doing this, this is, like, the one thing I look forward to every week now. Oh, dude, it's, it's <laughs> top of my list. I spend time thinking about, what would this, would this be a fun topic? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what would you say might not survive? But it was fun for at least one shot. I had, we'll I had fun doing it. <laughs> I had fun doing it. And plus, like, the last show, I had notes. And I, was like, I did research while I was at work and shit. Like, you yeah. know, this would be a good fact. This would be a good fact. You know, that kind of shit. You're looking forward to this kind of thing. And that's really the emphasis of the whole Cigar Lounge thing. Like, it's about, you know what I'm saying? You meet it's different. community more than anything. Yeah, you meet really, really good people there. You, you meet, like, for a young man like me, like, I will say in my recent years, like, especially as I've gotten older, like, hanging out in Cigar Lounges has really taught me how to be a man. Because, in fact, you're around other men. Mm-hmm. You see men conducting fucking man's business, and you know in a way that's you know masculine. It's not. There's no such thing as fucking toxic, toxic masculinity or whatever that bullshit term is. I don't like it. <laughs> but you know, what I'm saying just men doing men shit. You know, what I'm saying seeing how to conduct yourself and how to uh, talk to another man with respect. There's a lot. Of, we've been to a lot of places where they've had almost fist fights over bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So fucking. But. At the end of the day, they find a way to you know, squash the beef, you know what I'm saying? And then, because at the end of the day, we both love coming to this place, and we're going to be here. What's the point of coming to this place? Well, if we're going to just be seeing each other and getting pissed off with each other every chance we get, might we'll just squash this shit and just move on, you know what I'm saying? Well, to be fair, I mean, you know, it's I, I like, there's not that many women that tend to like cigars, but I mm-hmm. will say, because I've been members at different clubs, gone to different clubs, you know, I mean, hell, our, our real good friend Naomi, mm-hmm. she's a manager at uh, one of our shops that we like to go to. Yeah. You know, there's women come and go on it too, but uh, it is uh, probably a rougher, rougher mm-hmm. breed. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, it's, it's a little, little bit rougher edges. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like to think I've got a pretty warped and fucked up sense of humor, which hopefully yeah. hopefully people will get when they, they see the movie. This one's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will say there's been a couple of times where even Naomi, I've been like, God. Damn. Yeah. What? Where the hell did that come That's from? That's why I really advise women that come to cigar shops, you have, you better have Just a thick skin. Just have a thick skin. skin. You have a thick skin because you're going to hear some weird old shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People going to come at you. People going to come at you. They're going to test you. But you know what I'm saying? It's all about, it's not trying to, you know, piss you off or trying to offend you or anything of nah, that sort. Just people having fun. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what I'm saying? If you are extra sensitive and shit, I really don't suggest a cigar part for you because you're going to hear some people say some off the wall shit. Well, the most important thing, like I keep saying, about, about cigars and cigar lounges, 
mm-hmm. as it is a community aspect. It's cheaper, especially in California with all the ridiculous taxes and everything else. It's cheaper to just order cigars online. Yes, it is. You could order. There's a million different places you can go to. You can get really good quality stuff. Drop it right at your house. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But you also don't see anyone. You don't meet anyone. Exactly. You don't have the conversation. Then you're just, you know, smoking a cigar in the back, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I do that from time to time. But. It's also a lot cheaper in Vegas, too. A well, lot cheaper. Well, what isn't cheaper in Vegas? True. <laughs> Every, I'll, give, I'll give you that. Everything in LA is ridiculous. Insane. Ridiculous. But then the thing about Vegas is you can only handle Vegas for so much time. You know what I'm saying? I oh, I, I think I think that's a you problem. I, I have yet to run into my too much time in Vegas. I've had it go a couple times. So yeah. <laughs> well, so as long as we're talking about cigars, mm-hmm. great cigar movies. Wow. You have a go-to? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I don't really have a go-to cigar movie. I really don't. I've got I got two that are always go-tos for me. I'm listening. Number one, and this is cliche or whatever, but shit, I don't care. Godfather. Oh, yeah. That is a solid cigar movie. Yeah. It's the right amount of time. If you want to smoke a big cigar, you want to do a little cigar either way. Oh, it's oh, very you mean, conducive. Oh, oh, you mean in terms of like what movie I love to watch when I'm in a cigar lounge? Is that what you mean? When you're smoking a cigar, yeah. A good, good, fe- mo- good movie to, to smoke to smoke a cigar and watch. Goodfellas. Goodfellas is solid, too. That is, that is my, that is my goal. Oh, that would be my go-to cigar movie. Anything Scorsese-based is a good cigar movie because they take time. I'll, I will go with you on that, and I'm also going to throw in a Kubrick. Full yeah. Metal Jacket. Yes, yes. Full Metal Jacket. That was the exact one I was going for. Movie. That was the exact one I was going for. Because, I mean, well, and that's one of those movies, too, that's like two movies in one, right? Because yeah. that, that that's series of sequences, that first, what, one-third of it in mm-hmm. boot camp. Yes. That's its own movie unto itself. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you actually show up in Nam, oh, it's a whole, whole movie. brand new, it's like, whole what movie. the hell do we get into? And by cigar movies, we mean, ladies and gentlemen, like, like, like he just described it, like a movie where you can sit down, smoke a cigar, and enjoy it while watching this movie. Like I said, I usually, when I go to a cigar lounge, I bring my laptop with me. I usually watch a Scorsese movie if I'm there. Or um, I'm, I'm a cartoon guy, so I watch like old cartoons and shit. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I but, love uh, cartoons. But like if I, did, if I did have to pick a cigar, uh, a movie for a certain cigar or whatever, it's usually a long movie, like something like two plus hours long. Like a Superman the movie, or like a, like you know, any of the Scorsese movies, or any of the Marvel movies, something that takes time. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, don't mind the back. Well, <laughs> well, the other thing too, though, if you're going you're to talk about cigar movies, because the other kind is movies with cigars that are good to watch. Same thing, right? Yeah, you'd have to go with uh, maybe something like Gathering Storm, right? Because you got Churchill and smoking yeah. cigars, or mm-hmm. and this is one I think gets missed a lot: Untouchables. Oh yeah. Because you got De Niro as Capone. Mm-hmm. He's smoking a cigar more than half the damn movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Or walking around smacking people with a baseball bat. Or going with another De Palma movie, Scarface. Yeah. That's yeah. a cigar. There's a lot of yeah. cigars, There's Scar- cigars in Scarface. There's some cigars in Scarface, yeah. Well, you got to, you know, he's Cuban. I actually had this conversation a couple of days ago where everybody was like, because uh, uh, I think I was watching a fight. No, he was watching the UFC fight, and I think uh, Jorge Masvidal came out to the Scarface thing. That is one of the dun, worst themes. It's so simple. Yeah. I, I, I got to just say, I hate that score. I think if they rescored that movie, they could re-release it. Yeah. It's just so dated. Yeah. But uh, like I said, I was watching that. He's coming out to that. And, and then uh, 
Uh, let's, let's talk about like all the different rappers and like uh, all these other people say I want to be like Scarface. I want to be like Scarface. And I, I tell people I, every time I ask them, every time somebody says that shit, I say to myself, "Did they watch the movie?" No, nobody makes it to the end. It's too yeah, long. Yeah, I better say you know they they leave it, after he takes over. I better say yeah, <laughs> it didn't end well at all for Scarface. <laughs> like he or his family. No, he, yeah. his sister got his sister got killed. His, he killed his new brother in law. His best friend. <laughs> Also, yep. his best friend, his mother was left heartbroken, and he ended up with a goddamn shotgun in the back. And uh, we're not going to apologize for a spoiler alert on a movie that's more than 20 years old. So just more than know 30 that. years old. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying our cutoff is 20. If it's more than 20 years old, yeah. actually, hell, if it's more than 10 years old, it's your fault. Exactly. You really should have seen it by now. You definitely should have seen it by now. Speaking of more than 20, 30 years old, something needs to be rescored. Did you ever watch Straw Dogs? Uh, once. A long time ago. And I'm not. I'm not talking about this remake bullshit they did a couple years ago with the guys like a screenwriter in the forest. No, no, I know what you're talking I'm about. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Dustin Hoffman original. I know, I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, that is probably one of the most. I don't want to say underrated because people who are actually cinephiles mm-hmm. they know about it and they appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But I think by the general public, it's one of the most underrated or unknown films out there that is just. Phenomenal. Yeah, because like I said, I because Sam Peckinpah, yeah, everybody yeah. always goes crazy about Wild Bunch. I'm not taking anything away from Wild Bunch. Yeah, that was a solid. I mean, it, for what it was in westerns, it was it was seminal piece. It was this whole new thing. I don't want to get Paul Sater pissed at me. That's like what started his career as an editor. He's all about that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. But for me, Sam Peckinpah always goes back to that film because watching Dustin Hoffman go from this little kind of you know he's not even mealy mouth he's 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 there's no other way to say it he's just a pussy right he's just yeah. just like he's, he's the guy who's always getting screwed mm-hmm. he's the guy who's always getting beat on and always and you watch him go from this little shell of a man to by the end of it he's like i mean all whatever he is five foot eight of him <laughs> is a freaking stone mountain you won't yeah. move him i mean it's just it's from a from an acting standpoint from a directorial standpoint mm-hmm. writing standpoint I love that movie every time. I mean, for me, it's it's every bit as important in cinematic history mm-hmm. as uh, Taxi Driver. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was huge. Yeah. My thing is, I love, uh, in terms of just Dustin Hoffman's work, what I, one movie I love to rewatch, because I know a lot of the backstory now, is uh, Kramer versus Kramer. And how much oh, he, yeah. And how much he scared the shit out of Meryl Streep. <laughs> Hey, anyone who can scare Meryl Streep's doing Yeah, because yeah, he, like, he would just go off on these tangents that weren't in the script, and like she just had to roll with it. And that's a, that's a testament to her as an actor, too, because like, he just would go off on these method acting things. Like I think there's one scene where he like smashes a plate against the wall that she wasn't expecting at all. Okay. He, just, he just did it and take it. She just, just kind of rolled with it. So, so speaking of Dustin Hoffman, right? right? So I was told by some of the different teachers and stuff I had that back in the day, he was like the bad boy actor. Like he's the guy who's like breaking shit on set and yeah. like yelling and freaking out and all that stuff. So keeping that in mind, did you see that video footage that got released from I Heart Huckabees? No. So there's this footage from I Heart Huckabees, and I, I can't remember. I'm blanking on who it was, but um, the, uh, the, the main actress who was in it with him, um, and uh, wasn't, it, wasn't it Lily Tomlin? Yeah, Lily Tomlin and mm-hmm. uh, and the director are getting in these blowout, gigantic arguments where they're just they're freaking out at each other. And the director gets pissed at one point. And he walks off stage and he comes back in through the set door and slams the door. And they're screaming. I mean, it's like it's like the kind of shit you hear about but you never see in terms of like an actor freak out. But it's the actor and the director. Mm-hmm. And the whole time this is going on around him, Dustin Hoffman is just kind of sitting there like. Well, um, 
He didn't say cut, so I'm just going to wait here. I don't want to get in any trouble. <laughs> like, he, he looks like an extra who just got his first part, and he's just, like, so freaked out that mm. he doesn't – like, he doesn't look scared that he's going to not be Dustin Hoffman anymore, but it's almost more like he's like, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to lose this job. <laughs> kind of look on it. It's just more like, okay, well, whatever you want to get back to me, I'm not mm. the problem. <laughs> yeah. And also another thing – It's I, hilarious yeah. you got to watch it. Another one I rewatched of Dustin Hoffman was uh, Tootsie. Dude, that one's great. Yeah, but uh, the man, Family Guy send up of that. Fam, family, family Guy loves Tootsie. They've done Dude, it's great. They've done multiple send ups of Tootsie. But it's a it's a great great film. I believe they did one episode that was entirely Tootsie. Like it was a, a Stu- episode. I must have missed that. No, no, it was Stewie uh, doing like there's a there's a recurring show. Oh yeah, uh, the, the Jolly, 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 Time, Jolly Time Time Farm, Farm or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, and Stewie was the girl on. Uh, he yeah, no, I saw to that be, one. To be the girl on. Yeah, so that was that one. And then they even ended with the. Stephen Bishop's song, Something's Telling Me. Yeah, after he figures ideas. out that, like, they're all fake, they're not real, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It didn't, end, it didn't end like Tootsie, but, it, like, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was nice. And then uh, Brian was... Nobody doing, in this town's gonna hire Yeah, huh? Bri- Bri- <laughs> Brian was basically doing the Bill Murray part. Yeah. Yeah, so, which I really love. Yeah, Karina. That was her name, Karina Smirnoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. And then, uh, actually, they do it in the, um, that Star Wars thing, too. They do the same the, Steve, the Stephen Bishop song. Oh yeah, like yeah, when he's yeah, like yeah, a stormtrooper yeah. trying to do like a he, he's he's doing the um, Han Solo stormtrooper conversation from the original Star Wars, right? And he breaks into like a soft, uh, soft, uh, easy listening like radio show. <laughs> we're, gonna some, we're gonna play some Charlie Mingus a little bit later, so, and then he's like, right here on Drive Time Live. Something's telling me it might be. That's right. Yeah, I love it. when when they're rescuing Princess Leia. Yeah, when they're rescuing Princess Leia. Yeah. So yeah, I do love watching Tootsie. Like I said, boring conversation anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, that's another one of those actors like is such a diverse array of work, like Hook. That was the first movie I saw. Dude, it was Hook. That, I think that's the first one I saw too. Hook, yeah, when Dude, I was a kid, he was, was Hook. killer in that. Yes, he was Captain Hook. <laughs> Rufio, <laughs> Rufio <laughs> killed a child. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people like a lot of people were like, oh my god, like, like, yeah, he killed a child in that movie. Like, he uh-huh. killed Rufio was a kid. You killed him. Well, see, that's what's crazy. Like when you roll back to a lot of these movies, mm-hmm. like like for example, one of one of the all time greatest kid movies from the eighties, Goonies. Right? Yes. It literally starts out with them like murdering an FBI agent. <laughs> and the whole time, I mean, that like you watch it now, mm-hmm. especially with as sensitive as people can be, mm-hmm. it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. Real visceral fear that they're able to put across. Well, and then even even back it up too, right? With uh, oh, who was who was the girl that Josh Brolin's chasing the whole time? I forget the chick's name. I know you're talking about. Don't but they they got that that douchebag boyfriend she's got. He's like trying to look up her skirt and all that stuff with the rearview mirror and everything. It's always a douchebag boyfriend, right? But what I'm saying is like there's there's all this stuff like I don't even know if you could get away with doing that these days. Mm-hmm. The way everyone's getting all sensitive about stuff, like but but it it makes for just. Killer freaking film. You probably couldn't even do the trouble shuffle now. Yeah, because you're not allowed to. What was it? That would be fat shaming. How did, how did Family Guy do it? Oh, that's good old fashioned childhood obesity. Yeah, that would, be, that would be fat shaming now. You can't do the truffle shuffle no more. Which was freaking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> do the truffle shuffle. I'll be honest with you, man. Like, do it. So many people love the Goonies. It's not one of my favorites. I, I loved it when I was a kid, mm. but trying to watch it back as an adult, I can't do it. Dude, how many movies and TV shows as a kid did you love that you watch it now and you're like, eh. 
No, actually, quite a few of the ones I loved as a kid. I love now as an adult. I still love them as an adult. Seriously, there's nothing else. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, you haven't lost. You haven't lost it for anything else. Like, <sighs> I'll give you a slightly different example. When I was a kid, the mm-hmm. first time I saw um, Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. I was freaking terrified. Mm-hmm. I was watching it in my my grandparents' basement at like oh, two in the morning or something. Yeah. I, I I thought like when the little kid comes back, he's hiding under the bed and he's like slashing, you know, old man's Achilles tendons and shit. Like I, I was, I couldn't. Well, in fact, even before that, the kid that, that dies on the table keeps coming back, and the mm-hmm. and the dream is the ghost telling him, "Don't do that. The ground here is sour." Like the way he said that. I was terrified. Actually, and then I watched as an adult mm-hmm. like five years ago, and I was mm-hmm. like, "This is stupid." <laughs> My uh, see, uh, the one that you, the one that got me when I was a kid that I can watch now like any other like any day, Thriller. It's thriller freaked you out when you were a kid? Yeah, d- Thriller definitely freaked me out when I was a little kid. But then I watched it. Rick I, Baker. Yeah, Rick Baker, Michael Jackson, John yeah. Landis. It freaked me out when I was a little kid. But then I remember it was like. I mean, look, it was the most terrifying music video ever. Yeah, guaranteed. But, but I remember it was like late in my like elementary school years. Like It was like early Saturday morning. I, I, was, used, I was terrified of that thing for years and years and years. And then I just buckled down and I sat down and watched it. And it wasn't that scary. No, it's it's great. Yeah, then, yeah, it's like okay, okay. Well, I, I can make it through this. I can make it through. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's certain ones like that where like they were terrified you as a child, but uh, I can make it through. Like uh, the one that actually actually passed out watching it was a uh, Child's Play two. <laughs> I can't Seriously? believe I can't believe you passed was, out watching dude, it. Dude, I was at my cousin. Uh, <laughs> well, I was at my aunt my aunt uh, Carrie's house. And my cousin Jimmy got it for us. Okay. And um, it was us and a bunch of the other little kids, my little cousins or whatever. We were watching it. And it's like in the very beginning of the movie, like what it was, like uh, uh, I think some executive gets the Chucky doll and puts it in his car. And then he like uh, comes to life and like suffocates to do with a plastic bag. That terrified me so much. <laughs> I remember I put my head under a pillow, kept it under there, and then I just passed out. I went to sleep. <laughs> It terrified me so much, <laughs> and yet, and yet, you love Goodfellas, yeah. and that's one of the most brutal murders in that yeah. film. <laughs> you know, the plastic bag shit, man. Like, yeah, it, like the, you just, yeah, the, he put the plastic thing over the guy's face, and he's like laughing as he does it. It scared the shit out of me, and I put my head well, under the pillow, and I passed out. I mean, the good thing is your your mom probably never had to worry about you around dry cleaning bags. No, not at all. <laughs> you're, you're like a cat coming in the room. You just stick to the wall on the other side. I don't want nothing to do with that bag. I don't want nothing to do with that bag. I don't want to come within 20 feet of that. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, funny enough, it kind of freaked me out to the point where I actually had a Teddy Ruxman at the time, too. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> So I can I can. Teddy, so did, did Teddy, you did you burn it in the Teddy, backyard? Teddy had to go. What'd you do with him? I don't know what the fuck I did with him, but Teddy had to go. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I did with him, but yeah. But at certain times, like you know, like even if you don't touch it, it'll just come on. Like I love you. Like what the fuck. <laughs> like don't do that. Like yeah, it, yeah, it freaked me out, man. So that's the only time I can recall in my lifetime where I actually like was so scared I couldn't continue the movie. I watched it again. Years later, I watch it like every once in a while, or whatever. So it's 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 good. The only film I've ever seen as an adult that that caused me enough of like a feeling of dread mm-hmm. that I went and turned on lights mm-hmm. was the movie Quarantine. You ever seen it? No. There's an end sequence that is absolutely terrifying. the 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 actor 
freaking phenomenal. It does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the whole concept is basically there's this uh, this camera crew is doing like a ride along with LAFD for the night, mm-hmm. and they get a call to this. It's supposed to be a medical call to this apartment building. When they get there, they're finding there's something weird going on in here. And then while they're in the building, CDC shows up and quarantines the building. And if anyone tries to get out, they kill them. But there's this weird killer virus inside that's sort of like a sort of like the rage virus in 28 days later mm-hmm. it's kind of like a weird twisted version of uh, uh what do you call it um of rabies yeah. that infects people through blood and you know spit and everything else yeah. so everybody in this place is slowly sort of turning right and it's just horrible horrible situation in. but there's this end sequence mm-hmm. um that's absolutely terrifying and I, I actually had to go back i watched special features mm-hmm. i watched the thing with the actor and you know everything and how they put it together and the bodysuit and all the different things they did with this guy and once i got through i was like all right i was cool after that but i'm not shitting you that night the mm-hmm. first night i watched it mm-hmm. turn on the lights in the house to go downstairs trying to act like it ain't nothing but i'm serious <laughs> man it was it was visceral actually only one set of movies like gave me like a pathological fear to the point to the it still exists for me to this day. I'll admit it. I don't care. Um, clowns. I don't do clowns at all. And it's mainly really? because of... I, shut up. <laughs> and I told, and I, we've had this conversation. Do, don't you even think of trying it. But there's two movies that really cemented my hatred of clowns. It's the original It, the one from 1990. Which I still have yet to see. Yeah. And uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, both of those movies <laughs> fucked me up so much when I was a little kid. Wait, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Space. <laughs> yes, right. And they both fucked me up so much that I have still have this intense pathological hatred of clowns. So, uh, and I, AJ knows of this thing I have about <laughs> clowns. And I've told him to his face, like, if you ever try anything clown related in terms of a scare to me, I will punch you in the fucking face, and I will not apologize. I'm just, I'm just going to. Going and he to thinks hire. he thinks I'm playing. I really, I'm being as sweet no, and I, I, I'm being I, as I serious as possible. Like, I just know it's more, it's a better move for me to hire somebody to play clown than to be the clown myself. All I say is I pray for that motherfucker because, like, yeah, he, he gonna get it. I'm sorry. I I just do not do clowns. Sorry. And then and then a friend of mine who does a a similar uh, site oh, called uh, God Hates Geeks. Uh, offer oh, yeah. me, offer me uh, both times when both the It movies came out. Like uh, he's like, uh, hey, you got a free screen? You want to go see It? No, nah. dude. It, I gotta say, because like, so I watched I, it. I watched it myself. I watched them both myself. But like uh, going to a theater, no, I can't do it. Once he has thing, I, I haven't, I haven't seen the original, but mm-hmm. um, I saw the re-release, mm-hmm. Chapter One. Yeah. I actually went. That was like my second date with my now wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, I thought it was great. I yeah. thought it was solid. It was well done. It was well made. Yeah, it's it's good. Like for what for what they are, they're good. The, both of the it movies are really good, uh, and the original was really good too, and very terrifying. You know, as long as they're remaking Stephen King stuff, and I know it's it's a it's a moonshot. It'll probably never happen because it's an Academy Award winning Stephen King film. But I would love to see it remade. Misery. Oh yeah. Did you ever read that novel? Yes, dude. When when I read the novel when I was like twelve years old, I thought it was brilliant and great and terrifying and great because one of the things I love if we're going to get into horror stuff like uh, the monster movie stuff and all that's fun yeah, zombies the, that's fun but, but the real stuff yeah. something that requires like almost no suspension of disbelief yeah this when could it's real, that realistic this could be really happening yeah. it, it is terrifying to me mm-hmm. and great and the way that they basically and, and not to a massive extent but to some extent they, they declawed her so that Annie wasn't what she was in the book because mm-hmm. I mean 
going from the chopping his leg off to breaking it with the with the sledgehammer, mm-hmm. the way that she ends up killing, you know, the sheriff rather than because in the book when she runs over the highway patrolman with the riding lawnmower, yeah, oh my god, I mean, yeah, man. It, it it would be so much more violent. I mean, it would be like a Tarantino film, <laughs> yeah, in terms of the level of violence if they kept it true to the book. What was the other uh, Stephen King thing she did? Uh, Dolores Claire, Dolores Claiborne. I don't know if I know that. I, one. I think it's Dolores Claiborne, but yeah, Kathy Bates did another one for Stephen King. I do remember that. But in terms of my favorite Stephen King movie, Firestarter. Yeah. With Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Young Drew Barrymore. That's my favorite Stephen King movie, man. That's solid. Yes, it is. And then my favorite scene in that movie is uh, this one uh, agent shoots at her. She's like, this is at the point at the end of the movie. If you've never seen it before, she goes on this like rampage killing this like killing pretty much all the staff of this government agency and this is one government agent and for some reason they never explained it but apparently she's so hot that she's deflecting bullets yeah it's weird but yeah you yeah. like that no 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 i think it's either she's deflecting the bullets or the bullets are exploding because she's so hot they're exploding before they even c- come near her or whatever that and makes more sense yeah the government agent <laughs> shoots at her it deflects it and he's just sitting there like trembling like no no, <laughs> you sit there for a good minute, just say no, no, and she's like getting her powers ready, and she shoots his ass with a fireball and knocks him into a tree. It's so fucking funny. So it's like uh, it's like Austin Powers with the uh, the roller. Yes, it's exactly what <laughs> it is. Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Except this, they actually showed this death, and it's a lot more violent. <laughs> but yeah, that's well, they my favorite show. His death in Austin Powers. It's a mm. comedy. Yeah, but like uh, pretty much the whole premise of the movie is like uh, True Barrymore is this little girl with uh, pyrokinesis, uh, the ability to create flames with her mind, and she's being hunted down by this government agency called the Shop. And it has a great, it has a great number it's, of actors in it. A, like uh, it's uh, a Stephen King take on X Men. Yeah, it's, yeah, pretty much. It's like uh, George C. Scott and uh, Martin Sheen and uh, Moses Gunn, and those, there's like they're like the main scientist people that deal with her. Yeah. And eventually, uh, there's a point where like I think they kidnap her and her father because they want to use their powers for the government, some shit like that. And eventually, her father gets killed, and she goes on a rampage. It's just the dad's. I think his dad's last words like, "Burn it all down." Burn it all down, <laughs> and she proceeds to burn it all down. She uses her powers. Like I think they said at one point, she's powerful enough if she could, if she wanted to, she could create a blast equivalent to a nuclear explosion. She's that powerful, and she, yeah, she does the whole fucking Dark Phoenix shit on this. And dark, she does Dark Phoenix thirty years before there actually was a Dark Phoenix movie. It's pretty solid. Yeah, so she just goes on this rampage, this pyrokinetic rampage, and just destroys this building. She like creates fireballs out of nowhere and kill people and shit. And like, wow, it's so good. You know, uh, speaking of Stephen King yeah. and, and some of his lesser-known stuff, did you ever see The Mist? Uh, is that the... Hold up. Is it like the one with like, there's like an octopus in it or some shit like that? Well, no, so the, 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 the concept is, at least the way they did it in the movie, which is different from... from because it's a short story. It's from Skeleton Crews. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a solid take on that. These This... this father and son they're on their way to go pick something up at the store and this mist rolls in and basically uh what's going on is like the the u.s army been playing at some base nearby and kind of screwing around with like you know the interdimensional thing or whatever and anyway they opened a portal that mm-hmm. allowed these aliens essentially from another dimension to come into our world and they're all living in this mist and mm-hmm. it's like 
it's like hell on earth. These weird, crazy things. One of them's got tentacles and some stuff. So that might be kind of odd. Yeah, that's one thing you're talking a, about. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like these weird flying bugs and all kinds of stuff. But the real horror of the short story and what unfolds isn't so much the weird creatures that are out there that'll kill you. Mm-hmm. It's the horror that, un- that that unfolds inside of this grocery store where all these people are. Yeah, and that's, it, that's and what it, I'm It now. starts with people being very sympathetic, very understanding, and very rational. And it slowly devolves into this weird, almost Jonestown-like thing. And I'm, I'm blanking on the actress who plays this kind of crazy uh, Jim Jones religious kind of character in there. Mm. But she ends up creating almost like this this little cult. And at one point, they start murdering a couple of guys. I mean, it's, it is, it, it's one of those horror scripts that I think got seriously overlooked. Her performance in that film... Mm-hmm. was, I think, the biggest snub of, of that year. I think it was 2008, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember being in school and we were talking about mm-hmm. who should get this this or that nomination, all that stuff, because that's oh, nice. what you do in film school. And yeah, we'll okay. about it. yeah. And, and that was the one I kept pu- pushing, and half the film school guys just never saw it, which yeah. I, I thought was kind of a mistake. I'm like, if you're in film school, you should watch everything. Yeah. Two of my favorite Stephen King short stories were made into movies, uh, very well-known movies. Well, one of them is very well-known. Uh, number one would be Cycle of the Werewolf, which became Silver Bullet, yeah. which is an inspiration for the movie that I want us to do. One of one of the inspirations, mm-hmm. and the other one, The Body, which became Stand by Me, which that, is that, solid. That's the one that everybody knows. Stand by Me. And I, th- I think uh, I think from what I remember, because um, I heard I heard Rob Reiner talk about it one time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first and maybe one of the only ones that Stephen King had ever said he was truly satisfied with. Yeah. Because one of the things that's like, you know, pretty well known with guys that try to option this stuff for work, he's really difficult to work with because he's got a lot of opinions on it and he's, yeah. he's big time enough now that his opinions matter a lot. Yeah, it's his shit, yeah. But like, I mean, well, the, the, the fight between him and Kubrick on The Shining is legendary. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't even have time to... <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> that's, yeah. That's two podcasts in and of itself. Yes. Which, by the way, what, what are they calling that new one? The, the, the sequel they're doing to it? Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. That looks pretty good. Yeah. Have you seen uh, any of that? No, I haven't. With uh, Ewan McGregor. It's supposed to be coming yeah. out, I think, either this week or the next coming week. Oh, it's not out yet? I thought it was this week. I think it is. This, uh, I say it's this week or this coming week. Yeah, but okay. it's, it's coming up pretty soon. So uh, I've heard good things about that, too. And like It's interesting they want to do a sequel to The Shining. So. Well, and from what I saw, it looks pretty good. They got him going back to the hotel at some yes. point. I mean, yes. watch some extended previews on it, but... I th- the reason I'm asking is because I know you, you're a little better at staying yeah. up on stuff than I am these days. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I would love to go. I love. I would love for a scene where he goes into the hotel and sees the picture with his dad. Yeah, you know, they, they, they're gonna do that. They have to. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely have to. Good old Jack. <laughs> I wonder if Jack gets a check for that. <laughs> well, see, that was the one I always wondered with uh, when they did the the Terminator reboot. Mm-hmm. If Arnold was getting a check for that. Oh yeah. Because here's the thing that's kind of crazy, right? Because when you do these movies, you do a photo release in addition to everything else. Because mm. especially when you do these franchises, you become associated with the franchise. Yes. Now, whether they were required to or not, the fact that he was in this recent one that didn't do quite as well at the box office no. makes me think they probably gave him something at a, at a minimum because they wanted to make sure he still liked them. Yeah. But the real question is whether they were legally required to. That's what I'm kind of curious about. I'm pretty sure they are because he's... That's the one person that's more synonymous with that guy franchise than damn uh, James Cameron. He's right. the one that created it. But what I'm saying, though, is when it comes to things like that... Well, actually, Harlan Ellison created it, but that's another story. It's more about the way you set up all of your uh, all of your paperwork ahead of time, because you can set up, mm-hmm. you don't owe them shit. 
Yeah. Did you see that? That is like if you watch this. I forgot the exact name of the story, but uh, it's one of the Outer Limits, uh, done by Harlan Ellison. That's basically an exact replica of the beginning of the Terminator. You know, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, it like if you watch it, it's like almost shot for shot, and it's like what? Hey, you got mad at him because he wanted to sue? Yeah, like dude, it's like it's all the same thing. Dystopian future. Some uh, they did some. Uh, the effects are better than Terminator, but. The look is almost exactly the same. Like the shot, the shot framing is almost exactly the same. Well, then see, that's what's even kind of crazy when you look at uh, what was that? Uh, Terror at ten thousand feet or whatever it was. Nightmare at ten thousand feet. Nightmare at ten thousand feet, whatever yeah. that one was. Yeah. Like going, it's gremlins. Yeah. That gremlin creature out there that wasn't yeah. that far off from what the gremlins actually became. True. There's something unwin. <laughs> I was like the something. Uh, no, I just I love the Shatner. You know, that's one of my favorite non Star Star Trek related Shatner performances. Is watching Nightmare at twenty thousand feet on on, on the uh, Twilight Zone. <laughs> but talking about talking about how you first experienced it though, mm-hmm. I I hadn't even seen that. The first time I saw a reference to that, mm-hmm. Ace Ventura too. Oh yeah, just, <laughs> when, he's, just, when he's playing, yeah, he's playing, something. He's playing with the, the oh, <laughs> something oh, oh, some. That stilted, deli- <laughs> that stilted William Shatner delivery of that line is so fucking funny. There is some thing on the wing. It's like it's like William Shatner and um, oh, how am I blanking on his name? Uh, Who? Describe, describe some of your work. Uh, Pulp Fiction. He's uh, he brings them brings them the watch. His dad's watch. Oh, walking. Christopher Walk, Christopher walking. Yeah. The two of them. Are the most well known for the stilted, yeah. halting, strange pauses that they pick. I'm a, I want to do. I want to learn a, a walk, and I want to learn how to do. do doing like uh, doing like Joe Dirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh, hey, hey, the, the way you're talking to my my friend, it's wrong. It's all wrong. You do it again, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna stab you in the face with a hot soldering iron. Yeah, I know, and he means it. <laughs> yeah, he does mean it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know why or how, but I still remember this one time we were doing a, a table read back when I was in school, mm-hmm. and I was reading somebody else's screenplay, and I, I read whatever it was, and then I finished the line, and literally everyone starts busting up laughing at me, and I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Why the hell are you doing a walking impression?" And I was like, "What?" I didn't even I didn't even realize. Am I? So yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, what I thought. I was like, "Well, maybe 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 it wasn't that walking was ever doing walking. He just was reading cue cards." Yeah. And he, he and he and I had the same mental break when we were trying to read it. Yeah. <laughs> and he hit it. And the one place he could hit it, his ass. <laughs> so for years he did it up his ass. And then he gave it to me. Hated some cut a piece of metal up my ass two years. <laughs> now I'm giving a, it to you. God, that's such a gross story. Um, do you need to, did, did you wash that? <laughs> yeah, did you wash that? Never, that's the one question I always ask. Did you, wa- did you wash that? They never answer that question. Has did this you, been sterilized? Did you wash that shitty-ass little watch before you give it to me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, like, freaking, like, that's another thing we need to do, like, a whole Star Trek episode, because I would love to get deep, Dude. deep in Star Trek with you. Well, and if we're going to do Star Trek, I, I got to be honest, because my, I was so late to the game. We're going to spend a lot of time in Next Gen, mm-hmm. spend a lot of time in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. A little bit in Voyager. Because Voyager's where you got to have a lot more fun with the Borgs. True. But that's all seven to nine anyway. So. Yeah, she, she was so damn hot. Well, and she wasn't Fred uh, Fred Thompson, right? She married the late Senator Fred Thompson. I believe so. The guy who, uh, the only, he did a lot more than this, but the only role I ever remember him in. Die Hard 2. Tower Chief. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> he was a great actor. He was great in he Die Hard. He, I think he, he's one of the Law and Order judges too for a while. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So Fred Thompson, yeah, yeah. No, he was killed, dude. That that movie. We we got to do a whole episode of Stone well, Die Hard uh, franchise. What was uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He was the director of the first one. Uh, James John McTiernan. McTiernan, yeah, mm-hmm. dude, that whole story with him, yeah, and how he ended up in jail and everything—that was crazy. Yeah, I've heard a lot of crazy stories about John McTiernan. <laughs> this is one of Hollywood, man. But he's made some great movies. Die, oh. the first Die Hard, the first Predator, Die Hard Three, Die Hard Three, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and uh, Hunt for Red October. Yeah, great movies, man. All of them great movies, dude. Mm-hmm. From when it comes to action, he started man. three franchises. When you think yep. about it, Predator, the Jack Ryan movies, and uh, and John McClane. Dude, we we have a, a Predator model at uh, at our shop. It's been sitting there for a little while. <coughs> Dude, it's it's to scale. It's insane, man. You see that sucker standing there, seven feet tall, looking at you like uh, if this were real, this would be terrifying. You would one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Jesse Ventura. That was, uh, that was a good go around. The government movie. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's what Predator is, the, the, the future government movie. Because like three of those guys ended up becoming uh, government officials. You know, Schwarzenegger they, became governor. Uh, Jesse Ventura became governor. And the, the Indian became a mayor. If they'd, have gotten, uh, if they'd have gotten Charles Barkley in there, he'd be governor of Arizona today. Probably. He missed it. I remember there was an SNL skit where they uh, brought in Carl Weathers. No, they brought in Carl Weathers. And he was <laughs> running for governor. He's like, uh, he's pretty much uh, because of the fact I'm, I'm another dude from Predator. That's his whole premise. Is like, I'm just one of the, I'm the other guy from Predator. Dude, him in Arrested Development. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, with the, uh, Where he's just playing himself. Get some stew. <laughs> like, you, you get, get stew going. Get go, some, go, to, hey, go to craft hey, services? Hey, 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 what you do is you get that chick. You get, uh, well, no, first you got to back it up because he goes, oh, hey, 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 there's still a lot of meat on that bone. Yeah, yeah. Get you some broth. Let me tell you a little story about uh, Showtime movie. Oh, God. There's a little story about acting. There's a yeah. Showtime movie. Mm-hmm. Nan Archer. Yeah. I go to craft service. Mm-hmm. I get some veggies. Some hot water. <laughs> Baby, I got a stew going. <laughs> I love it, Ken. Tobias he's like, is all, he's all I about. I think I want my money back. Yeah, he's all about <laughs> the stew. Doesn't at one point he, like, sleeps with Liza Minnelli or something? Yeah, like he's that? at her, her house, and Buster shows up, and he's like, what, what is going on here? Hey, there's, there's nothing wrong. Just two adults getting a stew on. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds disgusting. <laughs> Carl Weathers, man. Dude. Mm-hmm. Why isn't he? They should literally get him to be in uh, Coming to America or something. Talk about power. Actually, he has a big role coming up. He's in The Mandalorian. Oh, is he? Yes, he is. Dude, that's great. I've got who he's playing, but he's in The Mandalorian. I don't, know, I don't care what it is. It's going to be good to see him. Exactly. Around. I love Carl Weathers, man. Mm. I've always loved Carl Weathers, man. I've always felt he's so underappreciated, bro. Like from the just from the Rocky movies, and then like he's just like the brother hanging with the action stars. He was hanging with Stallone. He was hanging with Schwarzenegger. At one point, he was hanging with Hulk Hogan. Well, and the other thing too, like when it comes to his performances, he's always he's always been able to even when he's doing something like Arrested Development, it's kind of funny, or whatever. He always plays this more like kind of stoic, mm-hmm. super together, super kind of polished kind of a guy. In fact, I feel like he was the original Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah. Like he has one of the most macho scenes in a movie ever in Predator. Yeah, with him and him and Schwarzenegger fucking with the goddamn arms. Yeah, Dylan, you son of the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? CIA got you pushing too many pencils. Just a tug of war between two alpha male ass dudes, man. <laughs> like wow. And yeah. Both on buff and shit. The both supposed to be government officials. 
Well, at least at least Carl Weathers' character is supposed to be a government official. But yeah, they're supposed to be like these buff ass commandos and shit. And but yeah, he's always had like just a little tinge of villain to him, which I always appreciate because like he's a vi- he he was the villain of the first couple Rocky movies. And then, but he wasn't. He but he was wasn't a, even really. Yeah, he wasn't. Villain. But he was like the, he was the antagonist, but he was a sympathetic antagonist because you know yeah. he's a proud man. You know what I'm saying? He's not a bad guy. He's just a proud man. Well, you know what I'm saying? like that's what you need in that character because, mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. actually, I'll, I'll get get to what I was gonna say here in just a second. But the thing about Rocky in general, right? It's mm-hmm. supposed to be a guy who's down on his luck fighting the, the system in a general idea, right? Mm-hmm. It's a guy who's getting screwed, and so he's going to figure out what he's going to figure out so that he can have a little piece of happiness in life. Right. And if you had him going out fighting, uh, like, Mr. T, <laughs> and how he was in Rocky Three, you'd be going, that son of a bitch needs to lose. Come on, bow, bow, maybe wait. Bow, bow. And, and if that were the case, if he played it that way... Mm-hmm. You would know going into it, okay, Rocky's going to be, beat him and it'd be too formulaic and everything else. But mm-hmm. because of how Carl Weathers plays Apollo Creed, yeah. you watch it and you go, man, I don't know how it's going to go. And then mm-hmm. when the decision goes to Apollo Creed, yeah. you don't hate it. Yeah. You, you feel bad for Rocky Slade, but you realize, okay, this guy's finally going to have, he's finally mm. going to have a life. Yeah. But you don't hate, and that's what makes it so great too. So that by the time you get to four and you lose Apollo Creed and everything yeah. else, you can feel that pain because. Yeah. He's real. I mean, that's really what it is. They well, make him more of a real person. He's, he's three-dimensional. Yeah. What made me really sympathetic for Apollo was two, actually, Rocky two. Yeah. Because the fact that, yeah, he, he won the fight, but the public, and this is pre-internet, would not let him live that shit down. Like, like he, you carried him. You, you know, he, it was a fake fight, you know what I'm saying? It was staged, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just they just kept, you know, kept, fucking with, his, kept fucking with his legacy. He had to have a response. Now, the response himself made him, like, they even said in the movie, like, hey, if you go this route, you're going to play yourself as the bad guy. He's like, look, man, whatever gets him in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like you can see that. Like, he just, all he was trying to do is prove that I'm, you know, I am the best in the world. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, this wasn't, a, this was just a fluke. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this whole thing, like, he, he just got lucky one night. But, as we find out with these movies, you know. Rocky has a little more than just luck on the side. You know what I'm saying? He's a, you know what I'm saying? He's the tough guy. He's, you know, he's actually, you know, he got fucking head made out of goddamn uh, cinder block and shit. You know what I'm saying? So you could take them damn punches and shit. Well, but but in real life, I mean, you got talking about Sylvester Stallone. It sounds like he really was, in a lot of ways, just this really lucky guy. There was a, shoot, I think it was called The Way I Heard It, mm-hmm. that podcast that, um, oh, God, what's his name's doing? Anyway, he was he was talking about um, how apparently I guess it's, it's like did you ever listen to Paul Harvey back in the day? Now you know the rest of the story. Actually, funny that you bring it up. They had his character on Freakazoid. It was a cartoon on the WB in the nineties, done by Steven Spielberg. It was around the same time as the animated action on the show. It's called Freakazoid, and Paul Harvey was one of the characters. They would bring him on. He would like do like the yeah. He would do the rest of the episode. For a Freakazoid story, like, yes, Freakazoid had a plan. And <laughs> smack me with a handle, and when Candle Jack, that funny, funny guy, came back, he just, you just <laughs> say these random ass things. Now you know yeah, yeah. the rest of us. I, I think there's a thumb tap under my fanny. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know the rest of the episode. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> but yeah, but go ahead, go ahead. Well, so so anyway, it's a guy. Um, okay, go back. I'm blanking on his name. I love love his work. But anyway, he's the guy who did, uh, who did Dirty Jobs, 
But anyway, he's got this podcast where it's his own version, but the way he ends it, Mike Rowe. Okay. The way he ends it is he goes, um, you know, that's the way I heard it, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, the story was apparently there was this guy who was walking down the street in Hollywood, and uh, he was a skinny kid with this bull mastiff, you know, big old ugly dog. Yeah. And he's selling the dog. Yeah, And he yeah. sells it for 40 bucks. Yeah. Or 20 bucks, whatever it was. And the whole reason is, man, I, I just I can't afford to feed him. He feels bad or whatever. So he leaves, mm-hmm. goes home. Writes that week, sells a movie script that he write that he mm-hmm. wrote mm-hmm. for I think it was like eighty thousand bucks, seventy thousand. It wasn't much anything, you know, mm-hmm. compared to what it was, what it would be now. Yeah. And he went and found the guy, he sold his dog to, who bought it from him for like twenty or forty bucks. Mm-hmm. He bought it back for like ten thousand dollars. It was something insane because the guy you know, mm-hmm. knew he wanted it back, but it was Sylvester Stallone. Yes. He literally wrote Rocky in a week because he wanted his dog back. Yeah, and then the thing about it was, I, I know that story. And he was living apparently in some shitty apartment where it was like one of these like studios out here in uh, L.A. Where it's like you got lots of them. You can sit, you can lay in a bed, you can touch the door and the kitchen at the same time, yeah. and, you, and you don't have to get out of your bed. But uh, he was living in a little place like that. Yeah, he wrote, he yeah, like you say, he wrote Rocky in like a fever pitch. Yeah, he wrote it in like a day or two, and uh, he yeah he sold it. And, they, and the thing about it was they were trying to give him more money to sell it without him being attached to it. And I think they said. Good thing he didn't. I think he said at one point he got it to well over a hundred thousand dollars, and he's like, you know what? No, because the fact if I do this, and it's not with me in it, because the fact I need I need this starring role too. If it's not with me in it and it's successful, I'll probably kill myself. He's like, look, I have to be the guy in this thing, and then okay, yeah. they took a chance on him. And yeah, they sold it for less money, but he got it sold. Well, and it I mean, look, it, it made his it made a lot of people's careers. Yes, it did. And franchise which. I mean, that's the biggest problem right now. If we're going to talk straight across the board in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What, what was the last franchise? And I'm not talking about Marvel stuff because I don't think it's fair to talk about Marvel or, or DC Comics as a franchise because that stuff's been around. Yeah, they've been around forever. Yeah, but like The in terms fact of like, that they're just finally starting to, to mine it is a completely different thing. I, I'm talking like some of this purely original content. I mean, I think the last John thing... Wick. John Wick. Yeah, John Wick and before that, what, Expendables? Yeah, kind of, you can go that route, but yeah, more. But more recently, when like an original franchise has really caught on with the public is John Wick, which is solid. It's great. I love, uh, another, I love, the, I another, love the John Wick movies. Another, another, you know, yeah, another franchise that has to do with a guy and his dog. <laughs> yes, it does actually. <laughs> but he really don't want to fuck with this dude's dog at all. Nope. Uh-uh. But yeah, man. Did you, like, did you see footage of him when he was training for that? Yeah, up in uh, with the te- with Terran Tactical. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've actually subscribed to that YouTube channel. That's a that's, that was that was terrifying. Since, <laughs> since, that was awesome. Since that happened and that video came out, like so many celebrities go to Terran Tactical now for weapons training. You see, like dude, they should. You see the guy. You see the guys from like the CBS show SWAT. You see like uh, Halle Berry trained trained up there. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Pine, like a lot of celebrities go up there now, man. Like they, it's, they do great work, and yeah, yeah it's the, it's the spot now, and they, they make you they look they make you look like a fucking badass. Well, it's because they they literally train you to do it. Yeah, it's so cool. it's so cool. You're knocking out targets and shit. We gotta go out there, bro. Dude, we, I'm on board. Yeah, we gotta go out there for something. We, just we, 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 gotta, we gotta write something, but we gotta go out there, man. So freaking like it's yeah, I'm I'm very happy for Keanu, man. Freaking love that whole franchise and shit. Well, what's funny, too, I've, I've heard a lot about him as a younger guy and kind of where he's gotten to now, and he's super chilled out and everything. There, there was this uh, morning show I used to listen to when I was a kid in Utah. 
called Radio from Hell on X96. It's still right. still out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came out, went to school, and then I was back there for a little while. It'd been four or five years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard them discussing one day they couldn't remember where one of the guy's sign-offs came from because his sign-off at the end of every episode was, don't you know who I am? And I actually remembered what it was from back in like 2000, like right after Matrix and everything had come out. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, Keanu Reeves was at some high-end restaurant out in Malibu mm-hmm. and they weren't going to give him a table or something. And he got in this big yelling match or whatever and his line was, don't you know who I am? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and so like, they uh, obviously they wore it out. Mm-hmm. But they wore it out to such an extent, they couldn't even remember where the hell they started. I, I was dying right there. I was like, man, I wish I had a phone right now because I'd totally call in and be like, I know. I know where it came from. It's I, Keanu Reeves. Actually, I heard that in, like, another argument. What, what, uh, when was this? This is, this is when you were in school, right? Yeah. Okay, so was this, like, early 2000s? Yeah. Or another argument could be it could be from that, uh, that juggernaut meme. Dude, there weren't memes when I was in school. Okay, well, yeah. The, the internet just barely started. You'd have to wait 10 minutes to download a picture. But that's another thing. Don't you know Down. who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch. That, that's how that's I was going. No, with. these guys, it was it was definitely Keanu Reeves one. Because they started doing it that day for the sign-off, I remember. Oh like, I was I was religious about it. Don't you know who I am? X96, 96.3. I don't, think I, would, I don't think I would ever want to get to that point. In terms of like my ego, like don't you know who I am? Don't worry about it. I'll stop it. Like, I wouldn't. Get, like if I was work, if I was in your position, I wouldn't give a fuck either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You hit a certain point. You're like, well, that's the thing too. Like mm-hmm. you know, we've we've both been working in this business for a while. Yeah. The the, the guys that have the don't you know who I am mm-hmm. have a short lived career. Yes. Because the the guys that I've met that have had the longest careers. Mm-hmm. Whether I don't know how they are personally, I don't know how they are with their assistants. God only knows. Yeah. But I will say when it comes to dealing with the general public, dealing with the crew, dealing with other actors and stuff, they mm-hmm. tend to be the most generous and the most gracious people. Yeah. Right? And and there's, there's a reason for it because if you're really honest and sober about it, yeah. your career is going to have massive ups and downs. True. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. You, you might be financially all right, but if you want to work again, people got to like you. Exactly. If you're hard to work with. Yeah, you, you tend to go, it shit, shit tends to drop for you real quick. Yep. Yeah. So fucking like, there's a lot of people like that. Like Val Kimmer had that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, another one and a guy that I, I had the opportunity to, to work with one time, Tom Sizemore. Yeah. And, he, you know, I, I've heard stories about how it was before, but I'll say having worked with him in the last you know, six years, whatever it was, mm-hmm. dude's professional, he's on time, mm-hmm. works hard, he's ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And it's great when you see people make that shift. Because, I mean, like somebody else made the same shift, did a great job, and obviously went into the freaking stratosphere. Obviously. Well, no, not not Sizemore. I was gonna say no, 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 uh, I, Robert I know, Downey Jr. I, I know you. Okay, I know you, I know you <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I mean, from the bottom back up to the top. For real, started from the bottom. Now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. He's Drake, def- Drake wrote that about him. Right? Yeah, he definitely like, he's up there now because I, I I saw what he made for Avengers compared to the other people in that movie. Jesus. You know, I got to say my favorite movie of his, mm-hmm. and people are gonna laugh at it, but. And he's not even, it's not really his movie, mm-hmm. my favorite movie, Back to School. Yeah, with uh, Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, Dangerfield. With Dangerfield, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, he was real young and like. <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing all that weird like. 80s punk stuff, man. He's like. It's not even punk. It's like it's like the original uh, hipster. Yeah, he was a very much a hipster. Because he's, he's got that old thing like he's going after the football players and all that weird shit yeah. that they're doing. yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, who, take, take a hiking fascist psychopath or some shit like that. <laughs> who was it that played uh, played Rodney's kid? Uh, it's the same dude from I forgot the actor's name, but he's the same dude from uh, from Christine. 
Yeah, because he, he had a moment there, and then he just he kind of disappeared. Yeah, I think it's like Keith something. Keith Gordon, I think the guy's yeah. name is. But yeah, he was the same guy who was Arnie in fucking uh, Christine. He gets, he's the one that gets obsessed with the car. Yeah. Which, but, that could be a good remake. Yeah, Christine. Yeah, another Stephen King property, man. Killer car. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Have a little smoke break here, folks. As we, as we do with this podcast, man. Uh, but uh, as far as that kind of stuff goes, man, but I love... Smoke them if you got them. Yeah, I love uh, Back to School, man. Like, it's one of my favorite Dangerfield movies. Like, uh, Dangerfield in general, man. He, he yeah. was just... Honestly, I can't think of a guy that I've, I've heard of that not only on a performance level, but on a personal and professional level mm-hmm. is even close. Except for maybe some of the stuff I heard about John Candy and how he was. Yeah, I've heard he was, like, super nice, and he would always cook for the crew. Yep. He would always cook for his cast and stuff, like... Every night he would have like a Winnebago. He would always like making like pasta and shit like that. Yep. Well, and once a week he'd have a, a cast dinner. Yes, he would. When they'd be on a show. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always heard about it. I always heard that about John Candy, man. And then another great story that I heard was uh, there's one party, uh, like when they were like young, when he was with the other Second City people, like, uh, you know, uh, actually him and them and the SNL people, like it was like Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, you know, Eugene Levy, all those guys were hanging out. It was like one party. Where he was like spending the entire night with Chevy Chase in the headlock. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he just would not let Chevy go. Well, I'm sure that'd make Bill Murray happy. Yeah, yeah, Bill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, a lot of people don't know this about, uh, but the infamous fist fight between yep. Bill and Chevy at the backstage at early SNL. Season two. Yeah, no, I think it's season one. No, season, it, was season, it was season two. Yeah, because he had left. Because Bill, Bill came back. Yeah, he had left. That's right. Chevy he had left. left. And, and well, um, you remember what set it off, right? Yeah. So when they do the open live from New York, it's Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. But Chevy was riding high because his career was taking off like a freaking rocket ship. And yeah. he, he starts as, live from New York, it's the Chevy Chase show. No, he doesn't. No, no, it's not that. No, it's not that at all. Uh, the only person who ever did that was actually Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he said Chevy Chase show. I'm pretty sure it's not. Are Chevy. you sure? I'm positive. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna double check because I, I, I remember hearing it was live, a Chevy Chase show. No, live from New York is the Eddie Murphy show, but that's not what set it off because uh, it was like kind of infighting between a lot of the people because they were pissed off that uh, Chevy had left and he got so big or whatever. And when he came back, um, Bill had been brought into the cast, and pretty much everybody in the public eye compared him to Chevy, and he was sick of that shit. And Chevy came back to host, like it's his first time back. And um, actually, the person that stirred it on the most was actually, uh, what's his name, uh, John Belushi. He's the one that was kind of stirring the pot between the two. And I think at one point they were having like this little argument where he was talking about uh, he compared Bill Murray's face because Bill Murray has like pock marks on his face. Like he compared, he compared Bill's face to like the surface of the moon. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And then Bill fired back with, why don't you go fuck your wife or her? She needs it. <laughs> And that's what started the goddamn fight. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then, like I said, they got into it right before Chevy was supposed to go on the air to host. And, ironically enough, the person that started the fight was also the person that broke it up, John Belushi. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, hold on. Belushi started it and broke it up? Yeah, he was the one that instigated the shit. (laughs) Yeah, and broke it up. But uh, yeah, man, they uh, they still hate each other to this day, man. Like freaking, like you hear you hear in certain uh, interviews of Chevy's, like, oh yeah, we're still we're friends, we're good now. But Bill's like, oh fuck that guy, man. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't like that guy at all. Uh, but like, I, I, like thing about it is, I admire both guys, especially for their comedic work and uh, 
Like most of the 80s was basically those guys, was Chevy and Bill, you know what I'm saying? Well, and I mean, whatever was going on with them backstage, mm-hmm. and I can't find the shit right now, but I will I will acquiesce to your knowledge on this one. Maybe you got that right and I got that wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prob- yeah. Prob- I, I know me some SNL, man. It's, it's, it's very likely. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll move down on the side. But what was great was by the time you get to Caddyshack, mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield's first feature film. Yes. They, despite the fact everybody on the producing and directing him was was exactly going, oh, shit, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They hate each other. But they're the two biggest stars in comedy in the world. Yes. In the same movie. We got to have them in a scene together. We have one. At least one. The professionalism yeah. of that scene yeah. and how freaking hilarious those two were. Yeah. When they're in. Uh, when what they're he's in, playing through. Yeah. When they're in uh, Carl's shack. <laughs> and he, yeah, Chevy Chase is playing a night game. And then they have the little improvised thing about the. Uh, him going over to use his pool. Yeah, and the, the special yeah, we, we week. Got a, we, got a, we got a pool, a pool pond. and a pond. Pool, a pond would probably be good for you. In natural spring. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had a little thing about the, uh, the special weed. made weed. And shit. Uh, like, Cannonball. When the big, when the big Bob Marley jokes, you know. <laughs> and smoking this big-ass joint and shit together. Yeah, they got to have at least one scene together, man. So, uh, But, yeah, like that's another great movie, well, Caddyshack. Well, what's crazy when it comes to comedy from mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s, right? Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to have anybody die. True. Right? So, like, you watch a movie like Stripes. Mm-hmm. Killer freaking film. Yeah. Love it. It's hilarious. They go into Russia and they blow shit up. Yeah. Actually, no. I don't think it was technically Russia. But anyway, they're in the USSR and they're blowing shit no, up. No, no, they were Czechoslovakia. Right, because it's the other side of the, yeah, the demilitarized yeah. zone. Yeah, yeah. Nobody dies. I remember, I remember <laughs> Nobody they, dies. remember because they had that big conversation and things like, man, come on, it's just it's Czechoslovakia. It's like going to Wisconsin. I got the shit kicked out of me in Wisconsin <laughs> once. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Well, that one's actually got... I mean, I totally get why they cut the scene, but that scene with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis when they parachute into, like, Latin America. <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> uh, but, oh, my God, uh, but yeah, going back great. to Caddyshack, my, one of my favorite characters in that movie, and it's kind of like an under-the-radar character, is uh, Brian Doyle Murray as the head of the caddies. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Well, it's hard. I mean, how, yeah. how the hell are you going to compete with those three heavyweights? Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, of the two Murray brothers, the one that actually got started first was Brian. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that kind of put the family into the family business, you know what I'm saying? And I like his little stuff in there. He's like, I'm getting a lot of complaints, you know, uh, <laughs> abusing uh, abusing uh, guests, bad language, smoking grass, bad caddy. All right, now you want to keep us up? You want to get uh, replaced by golf carts? You just keep us up, guys. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Harold Lipbaum died of a severe anxiety attack. There was summer school. Already, already choked on his vomit while taking the test. However, it may have happened. He was a good caddy and a good kid. He was a brown nose man. You hate him. Shut up. <laughs> but he was, yeah, he's great character, man. No, it's, it's it's brilliant. Oh, when they was like uh, when they're doing the golf match and they're like taking bets about the kid, like on picking, the side. picking his nose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tony Buff says the smells kid picks his nose and then they watch him like yeah yeah and like, hey, another Tony Buff says he eats it. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was funny, man. Or when he's like doing the judging things, like, uh, like I want, I want to make sure that you know we're not doing any like that. Uh, there's no penalty against me or anything that can get me fired. <laughs> okay, yeah. But, but if I'm gonna be the ref, I want to make sure I still have a job at the end. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, uh, oh, I got uh, some, I got some uh, T's in my hand. Even or odd, odd, uh, odd. It is, Your Honor, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a nice little like yeah. basically a wink and a nod to a Mel Brooks. God. Your honor, your honor. <laughs> but yeah, Brian Doyle Murray, that's another one of those unsung like uh second city heroes that never really got the great recognition of his brother or some of the other people on there, but he's always a solid player. You he's one of those guys 
with a voice you recognize anyway. He's been in like a million things. Like, yeah, no, he's look. He he had even though he doesn't have he doesn't have the face right. Yeah, he's got a solid name and a solid resume. Oh God, man, his resume is ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. They, he they did an episode of, of Superman. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he met Superman. <laughs> like wow. Like yeah, he, I think he, yeah, he was Lois and Clark. He did an episode of Lois and Clark. He did uh, what else? Like well, but it's really it's really hard. It's really hard for character actors. Mm-hmm. To end up achieving the same level of stardom, and even even so, like you think about like a, like a Patton Oswalt, right? Mm-hmm. Killer character actor. Mm-hmm. But the only reason you can say Patton Oswalt and people know him, it's because of his stand-up career. True. Right. If he didn't have a stand-up career and all those specials and everything else, mm-hmm. people would be like, "Oh, he was that guy. He was on that show, and that that's the way it would be going." But you yeah. wouldn't be able to grab him by the name like you can. Yeah, he did a whole Arkham Parks and Rec. He did a was uh, yeah, that was a great episode. He actually had a character in uh, Agents of Shield. He was like twins. He oh, uh, he was like triplets or whatever. Was he, he, was he involved? I think wasn't he involved with the the reboot of Mystery Science Theater three thousand? He may have been. I'm not sure. I think I, I gotta watch it again. I was watching it a little while back. I feel like he was either involved as a producer or he might have actually been on it. And it wasn't it wasn't necessarily <laughs> he was doing one of the voices or anything, but I think he was doing the the cold opens. We gotta watch some of the movies they watch, like uh, Your Hunter from the Future <laughs> or, or what's the other ones? Dude, we uh, should Santa Claus conquers the Martians. We should make movies that they would use on that. Or uh, <laughs> my favorite was the uh, I, I I was a teenage werewolf episode. Dude, I haven't seen that one because I love that movie, like the Michael Landon movie. That's the first mm-hmm. one that started the whole like the whole popular thing where you see a werewolf and he has like a Letterman's jacket. Yeah, that was what it started. Was a uh, you know, I was a teenage I, werewolf. I think I heard, isn't isn't he getting ready to do a reboot of uh, American Werewolf in London? Yeah, Max Landis. Max yeah. Landis, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, trying to do it like, and then John Landis is like, like everybody's like, well, do you want him to do it? It's like, you know, yeah, I do. Because number one, if it's good, then it's like, oh my god, it's a great movie, or whatever. And then I still get the credit. But if it's bad. I look like a genius. <laughs> so, well, so. That's, a, that's the thing when it comes to uh, when it comes to remakes like that. Mm-hmm. If it was a solid film and they botch it coming back around, yeah, it's not your fault. Yeah, and if not, you'd be like, yeah, I'm glad to see they're taking the franchise on. I mean, you're literally in a no no lose situation. Plus, but, yeah. whenever they do a remake, mm-hmm. the old property sees an uptick. People buy it more, they rent it more, they download it more, whatever it is, mm-hmm. because. Why not, right? You want to be able to do the comparison. That's why I say about the whole when they uh, when they rebooted RoboCop, mm. and like it wasn't. I like, never watched it. It wasn't a great movie. That's what I heard. But then, okay, I'm putting it like this: it wasn't a bad movie, in my opinion. It wasn't a bad movie. The worst thing about that movie is the way they called it RoboCop. That's the worst thing about it. If it was just a movie on its own, it's not that bad. But because of the fact it's RoboCop. It's like any reboot or remake. There's a certain expectation that comes with it, and they did not achieve that at all. And they, they, they took certain liberties with the character that nobody liked, myself included. Uh, he looked cool. His weapons looked cool. Didn't really kill anybody like RoboCop hmm. did, like the original one anyway. And uh, But wasn't the original one rated NC-17 or something? Because it was almost, like super violent. Almost, yeah. Because I've seen the director's cut of it. Yeah, they... They left out a lot of shit. And it's pretty violent as it is. But oh, they left yeah. out a lot more violent shit. Because Paul Vohoven is like, like, he's just like, you know, I want some more violence. I want more blood. You know, get him. You know, you're like, you blow his head off. Yeah, blow his arms off. Yes. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy, too, is you watch something like uh, the, the opening um, opening sequence on the pilot episode of, uh, what was it, um, Mindhunter. This guy 
who's in the middle of being, uh, you know, trying to be talked down by by the lead character who's playing the the guy who's loosely based on John Douglas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like an FBI negotiator at the beginning. The guy literally blows his own head off with a shotgun. Wow! Like at the the opening sequence, and it's not like a, oh hey, you know, now he's dead and he's off to the side. Like you watch him blow his head off on Netflix. I auditioned for Mindhunter. Dude, it was, well, because they were trying to show that he'd had another life beforehand. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've read all of John's books. I know kind of what's going on. You know, they took a lot of liberties. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's David Fincher. He's going to do what he wants. <laughs> yeah, I did a video submission for that show man, uh, a couple of months back, man. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've come who, to watch who it. Who are you going to play? I don't know. I think I was supposed to play some, like, Black Mayor or something. Okay. <laughs> but oh, I, maybe in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what <laughs> Yeah, because they're, they're just starting to they're just starting to do, uh, oh, shit, what was I it? Mean, uh, I mean, John Wayne, and was it John Wayne? No, it wasn't John Wayne Gacy. Who was the, uh, oh, he was the he was the first, like, black serial killer they ever made a big deal about. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who was getting all the kids. I don't know. I don't know. It was either that or it might have been the police commissioner, because I haven't seen any, I've been watching the show, yeah. and I haven't seen anything with the mayor yet. Yeah, I, I should uh, watch it just to see who they pick. Just, <laughs> just, just be like, oh, shit, that's the guy. <laughs> yeah, they went with that. <laughs> yeah, it's because you have a beard. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Because I have a beard. That's the, that's the big detriment in Hollywood. You, if you're black and you have a beard, automatically they don't want to fucking hire you. But uh, so uh, well, I mean, not to be on camera anyway, right? You know, right. It's fine. Fine behind the camera. I could be a grip. <laughs> But not exactly it's, the star. It's a lot of lifting. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm over it. I'm pretty sure this podcast <laughs> will change that. You know, when people see my uh, sense of humor and my range <laughs> on this show, Dude, that, I'll, that beauty sure, impression yeah. that just over the top. Thank you, thank you. So I can do a couple of them if you give me. You know, if you press me, I can do a couple of them now. Well, once once you break out the Donald Duck, that's that's gonna be it. I'm learning Donald Duck, bro. <laughs> I'm learning. I gotta. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning Donald you Duck. You almost tried it right I'm now. Learn, no, I'm learning Donald Duck. And I'm gonna learn a Scooby Doo, for just for the show. Because I just, I just, plus I always wanted to learn how to do them. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, audition for that show. And there's a couple of things. That's the weird thing about being an actor out here is like certain things you audition for. You'll see like whatever project it was you auditioned for, and you'd be like, they picked, they went, they went there. <laughs> like they picked this guy. I'm sitting there like there's a couple of them where I. Uh, it was like a, there's one commercial where it's like a security guard in a goddamn, uh, some kind of cell phone commercial. And the dude didn't even say nothing that they picked. It was just, okay. Like, well, they had me at, they had, they gave me lines and all this other shit where, like, and they, yeah, he said nothing. It's just weird that it went in that direction, but. Well, but, but here's the thing, because I've been on the other side of the table a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't done it for a little bit, but, you know, especially when I was making stuff when I was in film school and all those different things. Yeah. The hard part. The really hard part about being an actor and the really hard part about auditioning is you're walking into a room and you're trying to be something out of somebody else's imagination mm-hmm. and you have no idea what the hell it is. Yeah. Like the, the best project I ever made, it's the only one that's ever done the awards or whatever, any of that kind of shit, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously didn't do that much for me because here I am. Wow. But that film, one of the guys we ended up casting who did a great job, mm-hmm. there was another guy who came in about two or three weeks before him it gave a stellar performance. He had great he had great chemistry. He was great in the room. Mm-hmm. But he was an Irish guy, had an Irish accent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, for what was going because I was producing, I wasn't directing on it. For me, when I looked at it, I went, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He, he did, he, of everyone we've seen, he gave the best performance. He has the best presence. He's great on camera because, you know, you always tape it so you can watch back, make sure it wasn't just something you were experiencing, but make sure it actually translated, right? Mm-hmm. He did great. But for my director, it didn't work. 
That's not who he saw. That's not what he wanted. That's not what was in his imagination. And when I finally got the fact that at the end of the day, no matter how good or how bad you are, mm-hmm. the reality is somebody has an imagination yeah. that they read something and they saw something specific mm-hmm. and you weren't that, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. Acting, Which in a way yeah. should be freeing. I mean, for me, because I, I played around with that for like five minutes, the whole acting side of things. Yeah. It is freeing because you go... It's really out of my control. All I can do is the best that I can do. Yeah, that's literally what I do in every audition I go on. And then the best thing you can hear from a casting director as an actor is, can we do that? Do that again. I want, I, want, I, want, I want you to do this, but like, do it like, just like, they, if they give you just a little bit of a direction, just a little bit of a twinge, and you achieve that, you can just see the eyes like, oh, okay. Because well, that's what you're really looking at, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, if, if I'm just going for somebody to play. You know, I don't even know who I want to throw under the bus, but you know, I'll go Ben Affleck because we were talking about that earlier, right? Okay. If I want Ben Affleck to play Ben Affleck, I'm going to get Ben Affleck. Yeah. Right? And Ben Affleck's going to come in. He's going to do whatever. He's got his name. He's got his following, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But if I'm sitting down as a director, especially on smaller independent projects, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm figuring out who I'm going to work with, if I don't know you, if I don't know your body of work, if I haven't worked with you before, the number one question I got in my head is, can I work with this guy? Right, so I want to know: Can you take direction? And by "can you take direction," I don't mean can you hear what I say. Can you do what I'm saying? Yes. Right, and so that's where it kind of breaks down in some respects with a strong director versus not a, not a strong director, a weak director, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe they don't really know what they want, yeah. or maybe they can't communicate what they want. Mm-hmm. But the most important aspect of it from the director actor relationship is collaboration. Can yes. I work with this person? That's why I always advocate to. Because a lot of friends, like on Facebook or whatever, ask me, like, because they kind of get the itch to get into acting or anything of like that sort. The first thing I always, I always suggest to them is to try improv first or get some improv classes. Because, in fact, it yep. allows you to be able to uh, bounce from one character to another. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can uh, try different dialects or maybe try it in a different attitude, et cetera, et cetera. It allows you to do that because, in fact, you're with different people. You're in different scenarios. You're making it up as you go, so you have to be adaptable. And it really helps a lot. And also, one thing that really helped me in terms of like uh, learning how to be able to adapt to a person's uh, moods or what a person's direction is, uh, actually, I, for a little while, I did telemarketing. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. So I did telemarketing for a little while. I actually did it for a better part of two years uh, with different jobs. But yeah, because the fact you reading off a script... But the person's response might not be what's on the script, but there's, like, different uh, little notes say, hey, if this person says this, why don't you try this? You know what I'm saying? And then I do that, and it usually works. So, I, like I said, I was able to do it for a year. I sold fucking timeshares for a year. Well, and it, it gives you – you're a bastard. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But <laughs> no, yeah, but, yeah. But, it, but it also gives you the opportunity if you are trying to work on different dialects – or, or different accents and different ways of speaking to, to play around with some stuff and to do it for an extended period of time. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, you can start getting into, if you want to go into, like, you know, like the Meryl Streep version of, okay, we're going to be a method actor. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, to do something like that, it's really easy for a director to work with a method actor yeah. because they're always in character. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you get on set with, with Daniel Day-Lewis and he's playing Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. it's really easy because if I say action, he's Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Now, it's can be difficult because when we go to lunch, he's Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, actually, I've had one experience like that with a method actor, and it was actually on the set of uh, Straight Outta Compton. Cool. Uh, if you watch that movie, there's a guy that plays Suge Knight, and I was there for some reshoots uh, right before the movie was released uh, up in North Hollywood. 
And it was a really nice set. Like, uh, uh, John Singleton was there. I actually have a picture with him on my Instagram. Uh, Dr. Dre was there. I met him briefly. And he's big as hell, by the way. And, and, then, and, then, yeah, and then I met the guy who played Shook Knight. He was a dick. And I was, like, thinking, like, oh, wow, he's awful. But then I think about, oh, he's, he's just being method. You know, okay, okay, cool. I, I'll, well, I'll leave that be. So. I mean, to, to that end, there was a, a famous story of Philip Seymour Hoffman when he was on the movie Doubt with Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this interview, he was talking about, you know, I, 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 I couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, I met her at the table reading everything. Like, I've been a big fan forever since Kramer versus Kramer and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And look, Philip Seymour Hoffman's a method guy. Yes, he is. You know, he was always kind of, but yes, the he moment. Was. I'm sorry, yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yeah. But from, from the moment he met her, she was really cold and mm-hmm. really mean and really distant. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, I think he said it, it basically took to the rap party for him to realize she didn't hate him. She knew, even though she wasn't all the way into I'm playing this role yet, she knew that it was going to be important for the performance that there be this, this cold distance between the two of them. And it was easier to achieve that and to maintain that and to make it more visceral and real mm-hmm. if she kept her distance and made it cold and rough and hard from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that by the time they got to doing everything on screen, it felt more natural. Yeah. Even though, for Philip Seymour Hoffman, who arguably at that time one of the one of the biggest actors in the game, yeah. I, mean, I think that if I remember right, I was already post doing Mission Impossible, obviously way past Capote, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> Just here going, shit. Why does Meryl Streep hate me the whole mm. time? And as soon as as soon as they wrapped and they're at the wrap party. Mm. Warm, wonderful, sweet, and loving, and like, oh, it's just, you know, it's so great working with you and all that stuff. And he's finally like, oh, yeah. And he's somebody who he should get it. But well, it just, it, you know, and yeah, it's easy to forget. I remember him in Mission Possible. You got a wife or a <laughs> girlfriend. I'm going to find her. I'm going to hurt her. I'm going to hurt her. I hurt her because of you. <laughs> I liked him in Mission Possible. I liked him in everything. And one of the other things that I thought was great about him that I think more, more performers could learn from <laughs> When it came to his craft and his performance, he was over the top. When it came to his personal life, yeah. you, you couldn't hardly find the guy. Yeah. And I remember another, another uh, interview with him. He was talking about, he said, you know, his goal and what he thought his role was, mm-hmm. was to always be whatever the character was he was playing. And, mm-hmm. and he realized it was a lot easier to achieve that and to get that suspension of disbelief from the audience mm-hmm. if they knew less about him. True. Because, like, I mean, like, you watch, like... Um, I don't know, you watch Clint, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood or, or George Clooney. Yeah. You know so much about those guys, George Clooney especially, right? Because, you know, he's a, he's a big activist and all that other stuff. Yeah. You see him doing so much press and so much about who he is and what he is, and he's the playboy who's never going to get married, and then he does get married and all that stuff. Yeah. It's hard to watch a George Clooney movie where George Clooney's not George Clooney. True. Right? So, like, it's always George Clooney playing A, B, C, or D. He was George Clooney in Batman and Robin. He's George Clooney in everything. He's, he's George. He's George Clooney in the Ocean's movies. He was George Clooney in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, like, like I said, there's, there's nothing nothing wrong with George Clooney. I think he's a hell of an actor, but yeah. it does make it more difficult as a producer when it comes back around to selling. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about the Killer Tomatoes. Thing. He was so <laughs> out of place in that movie. <laughs> he was like this handsome guy. Funny guy, and there's all these other actors with this cheesy B movie dialogue. He just beat George Clooney. <laughs> well, but I mean, even before that, mm-hmm. probably, and it was his first feature. Got to go back to uh, uh, shit. What was the uh, what was the um, the vampire movie with him and Tarantino? And it was uh, the the Rodriguez. Oh, film. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn. No, no, Killer Tomatoes was way before that. 
I thought. Oh no, this was his first one after ER. Was his first? His yeah, first yeah post after ER, ER. Yes, that's what it was. Yes, dude, that one was good. Did you ever watch? Um, uh, shit, what was the name of it? It was the. I can't remember what they named the 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 making of documentary. Full Tilt Boogie. Yeah, dude, that's yeah. a that's a killer thing. Just like in, in terms of helping people understand making a movie. Yeah, that was out of this world. Yeah, and then actually the first thing I ever saw him in, I didn't really realize it was him. He was a boyfriend on The Facts of Life. Oh shit, George Clooney. Yeah, he was like he was like he was, one of the, he was like a delivery guy. I think in the later seasons, well, I think they had like a shop or some shit in the later seasons, and he was like the delivery guy on that shit. It's kind of like uh, Leo DiCaprio on Growing Pains, or uh, George, or uh, Jerry Seinfeld on Benson. Oh yeah, he was yeah he was he was a uh, I forgot his name of the character. I think it's like Benny or something like on Benson. Well, you got to give it to, to to Seinfeld and the casting directors there because there's so many big time <laughs> actors that came out of that show. Benson, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, like Brian Cranston, yeah, it's Tim Watley, yeah, uh, freaking uh, Rene Aubergeois. Yeah, 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 and then thing about it is, we should do a whole show just on spinoffs, because uh, Benson was a spinoff that surpassed its original show, just like uh, there's a couple of them. And you know, the, and that's the thing; it's it's it wouldn't be the longest show, but it's it's very rare that you have a super successful spinoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you can go Frasier off of Cheers, which that one's crazy. Kelsey Grammer, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then well, and even right now you've got uh, you've got. Um, uh, Odekirk doing just amazing with Better Call Saul. And uh, the king of spinoffs, All in the Family, back in the day. Yeah. Because All in the Family had Maude and uh, the Jeffersons and then Good Times. Mm-hmm. Is like A lot of people don't realize that. Good Times is an indirect spinoff of All in the Family because uh, Good Times came from Maude and Maude came from All in the Family because Florida Evans was the maid on Maude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her and James Evans huh. made their first appearances on Maude. Not good times. The same thing with George and Weezy Jefferson. They made their first appearances on Harlem Family. Hmm. In fact, they actually created a character named Henry Jefferson uh, as sort of a placeholder for uh, for Sherman Hemsley. Because Sherman Hemsley was doing, like I think, Porgy and Bess, uh, one of them type plays on Broadway. And, Nor- and uh, what's the name? The uh, producer, uh, Norman... Uh, Norman Lear saw him and like I wanted you I want you for on my show for this character George Jefferson, but he had this commitment with this play and he couldn't break it. So they created a character named Henry Jefferson, sort of a, a antagonist for Archie. Well, not really an antagonist, but just like an opposite number for Archie for a couple episodes. Then George showed up and it was George Jefferson and Henry just disappeared. Hmm. So, uh, but like another one that had a lot of spinoffs, Happy Days, because yeah. they had they had uh, yeah. Vernon Shirley. Was a spinoff of Happy Days. Mork and Mindy yep. was a spinoff of Happy Days. Fucking Joni loves Chachi. <laughs> it's a spinoff of Happy Days. <laughs> that, that is still that is still my favorite reference in Dodgeball. Joni Joni loves Chachi. <laughs> That's such a stupid show too. Oh my god. <laughs> well, so wait. So if you're gonna do a spinoff of anything they got going right now, what would it be? Shit. Mm, well, they're doing a spinoff of Power. No, not what they're doing a spinoff of. Yeah, what uh, would what you would do you if you were going to do one? Oh, shit. I don't know. Cause I, I'll be honest with you. I don't. There's not really a lot of, like, one-hour dramas that I watch right now. So, But it doesn't even have to be a drama, man. You can do it off comedies. Same thing. Like, I can't think of a sitcom or anything that I would spin off right now because there's really nothing. 
was like holding me in terms of like, oh my god, I gotta watch this show. Yeah, that's my biggest problem across the board too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's def- nothing really right now. It's like, oh my god, this is my favorite show on network television right now. Like nothing. I mean, all, all the ones I really loved have already left the air. No, I mean, as far as what they've already done, Young Sheldon's a pretty pretty smart spinoff. Yeah. Even though they went single camera from a, from a multi-camera show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, and it, it makes sense because of all the characters in that. The Sheldon character is the weirdest. Mm-hmm. And him growing up is going to be the most fun to play with. Yeah. Because um, he's like 12 years old when he's getting his PhD. And he's a, ge- yeah, he's a genius. In Texas. Te- in Texas, yeah. There's all these ignorant-ass Texas people he's trying to like live around them. And, you know, I haven't I haven't stayed up with it enough, but I'm wondering at what point they're going to do the uh, the Will Wheaton tie-in. <laughs> That'd be a good Yeah, that would be a good episode. Damn, but, yeah, no, honestly, off the top of my head, there's nothing I would say that would spin off right now. Nothing. Uh, but they've tried with different shows. Like, they tried to do a spinoff with Married with Children. They tried to do two spinoffs. We're married with children, actually. Well, they're doing a spinoff of Roseanne, technically, since I got rid of Roseanne uh, went with the Connors. Yeah, but I, I, never even, I never liked Roseanne. I, I, she, you know, here's the thing. Roseanne being interviewed, mm-hmm. and a little bit of her stand-up, mm-hmm. pretty funny. But I could never watch the show. Yeah. I, and I like John Goodman a lot. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, he's great. Like the Coen Brother films he does. Yeah. But that's not really his character on uh No, Roseanne. not at all. Yeah. But like, uh, like I said, they, there's a other, there's a bunch of times when they tried to spin off shows from popular shows and it didn't work. Like I said, they tried it twice with Married with Children. There's one where they actually had a uh, fucking Matt LeBlanc and Joseph Bologna. <laughs> they tried to spin off a show with them, and there's another one they tried to spin off a show based on just Bud, Bud Bundy. Well, I think he's like in college, and, nah. they, and, and they brought back uh, Steve Rhodes as like the dean of his college. They tried that. They tried it twice. They actually tried, and they also tried with uh, Martin. Uh, there was a episode called uh, "Getting Getting Yours" or some shit like that, where like they tried to spin Pam off to get in her own show. Hmm. That didn't work either. They actually shot the pilot episode on Martin, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, like, there's a couple times they tried that." They should do. Uh, they should do uh, if they're going to do a spinoff. They should do No Man, No Ma'am. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be, that'd be a good spinoff. No Ma'am show. Yeah. And oh I, no, you know what they really should do? They should do Psycho Dad. Psycho Dad, the TV show. They do Psycho Dad, the TV mm-hmm. show, and they uh, they could even pull in Will Ferrell uh, to reprise his role as Bitch Hunter. <laughs> yeah, from Third Rock. <laughs> you know what was a weird thing, and this this is what black sitcoms too. Two black sitcoms actually started out with sets from different shows, like uh, Living Single. The initial set of Living Single was, uh, I believe, the Family Matter set. I mean, it makes the, the, sense. The, the living room is is that set. And then the same thing with uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. The original set for them was actually the uh, house from Growing Pains. Dude, it, may, it makes sense because it's so expensive to create anything from scratch. It's so much easier to just do, do a new paint job, you know, throw some wallpaper on it or whatever. On, on an existing set. It, it really is. But it was so recognizable. I was like, that's the same staircase. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so It was so blatantly, like, am I watching Family Matters? No, this is, all, this is the new Queen Latifah show. <laughs> 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 but they, yeah, they tried it a bunch of times and like uh, spinoffs that were successful, like more successful than the shows, like the Buying a Woman back in the day. Mm-hmm. There was a point where it surpassed the Six Million Dollar Man and uh, other shit like that. Uh, they tried it twice with The Incredible Hulk in TV movies. Actually, they tried to do a four show back in the late '80s, and also tried to do a Daredevil show back in the late '80s. Yeah, but and, see, I still can't get into Daredevil. Yeah, Ben Affleck put me off of it so bad. Daredevil is a great character uh, by so, like I said, the, the Netflix show by itself is fantastic. It's probably it's hands down the best 
of those Netflix shows. It, you they, think they, it's better than The Punisher? The Punisher started out actually on the Daredevil show. It's actually, uh, right, but I'm just saying because I've only watched The Punisher, which that pilot episode is phenomenal. I love, I actually fucking, I love Daredevil more than I love The Punisher. Really? Really? Huh? All right, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah, man. But freaking like, uh, like I said, The Punisher started out as second season uh, character on Daredevil. That pretty much the whole second season was basically based on The Punisher. Uh, but uh, yeah. Daredevil was the best of those Netflix shows. And I love, like, a lot of people are saying that it's the best one. Yeah. Because I love Luke Cage, but it, it got kind of weird and preachy. And I, I, it, it was distracting. But that's a, that's a problem across the board with, with so much that's going on right now when it comes to, to new new wares, new things they're getting into. Everything's got, everything's got an angle to it. Everything's got some kind of a, a message they're trying to drive home instead of just letting the show be the show. Yeah. So... But it was like, but uh, yeah, Luke Cage was very much uh, the Black uh, Black Lives Matter movement, which I can respect. But there were a lot of times where it distracted from the show. So, uh, but like, I did love the fact that you know it was a uh, a show that's pretty much like from the black perspective. It was pretty much showing how places like Harlem were affected by the events of uh, you know the Avengers and movies like that, and how and then now Harlem's got its own superhero. Well, how does that? How does it work into you know? their lives, etc. So I did like that part of it. And then plus they had a lot of hip hop and sex and shit like that. And plus I love Simone Missick on that show. She was fantastic hmm. uh, as Misty Knight. And she kind of was like the breakout star of that show, even more so than Luke Cage himself. Yeah. She's now, she's not got her own show. I think she's like on like some like judge show. Now all rise. I think that's the name of it. Oh yeah. 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 She's doing her own thing now, but she, she's the one that broke out from that show more than probably any other actor. Well, but that's what's weird, though. I mean, you look at you look at any show, mm-hmm. seeing the, who it is that actually does the breakout, and a lot of almost almost without exception, it's mm-hmm. usually someone farther down the cast list, right? So it's like you look at like Chris Pratt breaking out of uh, Parks, and Parks and Rec, or even um, <coughs> well, the other one I'm going to say who's really broken out, Charlie Day out of um, uh, uh, always It's Always Sunny in Philly. The, I think the best example of a breakout character is Steve Urkel, yeah, Jaleel White, because he was just a day player. A couple well, episodes. And then even you go back to like The Wire, right? Yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah, uh, Omar. You, well, not forget forget about Omar for yeah. half a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, Idris Elba, yeah. Yeah, well, what, Idris Elba? But yeah. um, shit, what was the kid? They kill him uh, in the first oh, season. Oh, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Wallace. Yeah, right, he, when he's Wallace, and they, they murder him in the apartment upstairs. That was so funny. And, and it's crazy because you look at how, how he transformed and how his career has just taken off on this whole new level since Black Panther. Yes. I mean, he's he's hit a brand... I mean, he if he plays it right, he doesn't mm-hmm. go too crazy or overplay his hand, mm-hmm. he is the next Idris Elba. Yes, he is. He's the next guy. Yeah, like... like he, he can I, carry I'll, dramatic stuff very well. I'll go before... I'll go even before that, before uh, when uh, Creed broke out. Yep. Creed, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, Creed was really what broke him out. It was uh, Creed... But uh, well, I'm just saying now because he's carrying a Marvel movie the same way Chris Pratt, you know, is carrying yeah. Guardians. Yeah, he's like kind of like how Loki uh, broke out from the Thor movies because like, yep. well, my sister's all about that. Yeah, my, my uh, yeah, this thing of like freaking like there was a for the second Thor movie, Thor: The Dark World, the one character the people were most excited about seeing was Loki. Yep. So no, my my sister like that's that's her favorite character mm-hmm. without without question. It's the same thing now with uh, with Black Panther like. Uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. They won't see him back, even though he was killed. They'll, just like, but, but just Prequel. like no, they'll, they'll find a way to bring him back, just like they did Loki. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing about the Marvel universe. There's always a way to bring somebody back from the dead. So, uh, but I'm pretty sure uh, Killmonger will be back. 
That'd be good though. I'd, I'd, I'd be up for that. Yeah. I man. think a prequel is not a bad way to go though, because I, I I would love to see how mm-hmm. he got to where he was. That was one character they changed a lot for that movie because Killmonger in the comic books actually looks more like a football player Marshawn Lynch than he does uh, Michael B. Jordan. He's bigger, light skin, kind of light skin with really big dreads and shit. So yeah, the casting of Michael B. is mainly a call of uh, what's the name, Ryan Coogler, because they worked so well together and. In uh, Fruitvale Station and Creed and all these other stuff, they, they yeah. pretty much came up together. And uh, but yeah, they they changed that character a lot. But uh, it's sort of the same thing with the whole family connection. That's not in the comics either. They, they made that up for the movie. Cause but it, but it made for look. I mean, sometimes you yeah. got to take liberties when you're doing a feature film. Yeah. that's away from it the worked. original, the source content. Yeah, it, it worked it, really well. It worked well for the movie. Yeah, it worked very well for the movie. So that's kind of like uh, how I see Killmonger because like. Uh, and it plus, it, it, it's kind of like the whole uh, Dr. King, Malcolm X argument. Yeah. Killmonger and Black Panther, because, you know, Black Panther's more Dr. King, where Killmonger's Malcolm X, you know, enemy is necessary. They both want the same thing, you know what I'm saying, liberation for our people, but at the same time, it's like how they're going about it. It's two different ways. Kind of like Professor X and Magneto. Yeah. Well, did, did you ever read uh, Malcolm X's autobiography? Yes. It goes written by Alex Haley? Yes, I do. Dude. One of the best books I've ever read, and, and for for two things, aside from you know getting an idea of kind of what was going on at the time and kind mm-hmm. of how things were, mm-hmm. um, it's also just a great great book to kind of watch one man's spiritual journey. Yes, because if you, it's one of the only books I've read the the, the preface um, and the postscript on. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was crazy was he's talking about how hard it was um, after uh, Malcolm X had his falling out with uh, Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And how difficult it was to keep him from going back and editing and getting rid of a lot of stuff where he talks about, you know, his original feelings with the nation of Islam and all that stuff. And just from a a religious perspective, watching mm-hmm. one man's religious journey, it's fantastic. Yes, it is. Uh, I highly suggest that book if you ever get a chance. The Autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley. Yep. If, if you get a chance to read it, please read it. Read it. And then if you have a second, sit down and watch Malcolm X, Spike the movie, Lee. The movie, yes. Dude. That, that of all the movies where you see somebody who got got screwed over for not getting the recognition they deserve from the Academy, mm-hmm. Denzel and Spike both got screwed on that one. Yeah. All right, folks. So it's getting kind of late out here, and uh, we, we both got work. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, but uh, we really enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed listening to it uh, as much as we enjoyed talking about it. As you can see, like this is like almost three hours. We've just been us rambling. And Just us talking about all the shit we love. I think we should call this the show about nothing. That's not bad. We, we we touched on Seinfeld a little bit. The show about nothing. <laughs> yeah. So just this is basically, like I said, just regular conversation between me and him, man. And we just go all over the board, man. But uh, like I said, it just comes from two people that really love pop culture, and we we can go on full tangents about this shit. Like we we got hours more of this shit. I know it. Oh, we've we've done hours and hours more of this. Entire day of just this shit. <laughs> so, some good Saturdays. <laughs> great Saturdays, actually. Uh, but like I said, we hope you enjoyed this show as much as we enjoyed doing it. And again, uh, for all my fan, all my friends and fans out there, uh, check out Belsaverse on uh, <coughs> excuse me on Facebook, uh, Belsaverse on Instagram. Uh, hit us up, you know, what I'm saying uh, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, we got our new Facebook uh, page now. Like I said, if you guys have ideas you want us to do for the show or anything of that sort of so, uh, topics you want us to talk about, <coughs> excuse me, please hit us up, man. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, we want you to be as interactive with the show as we are. And, uh, like I said, we want you to enjoy this as much as we enjoy doing it. 
So uh, we really hope you enjoyed this. And uh, again, this is your boy JD. This is going to be Dropping That Culture with JD. And AJ. And we hope you guys have a good night.